Hello all and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on December the 2nd, 2020. Winter is finally here in Florida. I had to put on a jacket. Can you believe that? Uh, it got to a frozen just under 60 degrees. <laughs> I was going to say, a balmy 65 maybe for you? <laughs> I did because I, I I tweeted about that earlier today. It's like it's finally no longer t-shirt weather here. It's 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 a, a unzipped hoodie over a t-shirt weather. And someone was like, "How how warm is it down there?" Fuck you! I I wear a t-shirt and shorts when it's when it's sixty five, and I felt like going like, "It's under sixty. Screw you! <laughs> it's fifty nine degrees. Technically under sixty. Yeah. Uh. Nick, I have a, a quick uh, continuation of a, a tangent from earlier to tell you about. Oh, really? Yes. A continuation of a tangent. That's yes. not how we do things usually. I'm I know. Sure. There's there's a we follow-up. those threads untied up. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're like Twin Peaks. We, we throw a lot of questions out there. We don't necessarily answer them all. Every so often, though, we'll come back and be like, remember the statue? That was lost. But still, it's like the whole thing. Maybe the two were connected. <laughs> That's why it was such a big twist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I told you before about the friends of mine who have a little two-year-old who doesn't uh, shits on my Mickey impression. Uh, at this point, I'm goofy. yeah, I'm just goofy to her. She calls me goofy. She asks when Goofy's oh. coming. Shit like that. She has a little mailbox that's now. That's adorable, but yeah. I can see how it would also be annoying. <laughs> you get around to it. Uh, so she has this little mailbox now, and it's like a Christmas theme mailbox. It's supposed to be a mailbox to Santa, but I started doing this thing where. I draw a picture of Goofy and I'll put it in the mailbox for her and I'll say, you got to write Goofy a letter. So she'll just, she grabs a crayon. Uh, she, she has a weird exchange rate because it's like a Goofy to a drawing. So she just gets a piece of paper, goes scribble, scribble and done. It's like, there's no other effort in it. She throws it in there. She's like, where's my Goofy? But she loves this thing. And I'll write like little messages on it, like, thanks for being my friend. or You're the best. Stuff like that. I want to start having Goofy ask her for money. <laughs> I'm gonna have Goofy surfing like tough times. Goofy really needs your mom's credit card. Listen, buddy, twenty <laughs> non-sequential unmarked bills. Gosh, if I don't get some money, they're gonna take Goofy's thumbs. I'll need your mom's credit card. <laughs> Listen, I gotta get Max into a good college. <laughs> Times are tough, you know. <laughs> Pandemic hit, they closed the clubhouse. I had to sell all of the props from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> they took my shield. <laughs> uh, I don't know why Hard <laughs> on his luck, Goofy, is so funny. I just... It was when I thought of it, I was like, this is the darkest thing I've maybe ever thought of. But it'd be so funny if I don't tell the parents and they see one picture of it. Like, Goofy, like, do you have a little change? And, like, Goofy has, like, a barrel on. He's crying or something like that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> see, Mickey was keeping me afloat, but... Well, you didn't want to talk to him, so he cut me out. He was jealous. <laughs> <laughs> That's your way back in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I have no idea how we're going to get to the, from this topic to get my manga. Let's talk about manga, Nick. 
Yeah. Easy, just do it like that. Why yeah, but you just it scream it out. No one can stop you. Just full brute force. Why not? Uh, we've got a pretty decent uh, load of chapters to talk about this time because mm-hmm. we've got uh, some and of our some news that we may not have as many chapters to talk about going forward with some series. We do. Uh, did you not hear about Chainsaw Man? No, the leak is that is Chains- actually- Chainsaw Man's ending in like two chapters or something like that. Oh well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I I guess we I had not heard that. No, okay. but I guess we'd been saying for a while that you know we wouldn't be too surprised to matter what happened with it. But yeah, no, this is literally the first time hearing of it. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll save a little bit more of that context for once we get around there too. All right. Uh, well, let's get things started then, so we can get there. Uh. We're going to kick off the recap portion of the manga recap with My Hero Academia, chapter number 292. So, Chris, there's kind of a theme going on this week mm-hmm. of uh, making Nick eat his words uh, <laughs> from last week. <laughs> it happens a few times. Hey, we um, all have it. I said Magu-chan was going to be canceled. I did like little Evangelion image and everything, and it yeah, ranked yeah. third and jumped this week. So, you know, what, yeah, what, yeah, what are you going to do? Um, so <laughs> the first one that happens, remember last week I was like, well, you know, like, you know, all the big developments in my hero academia, the, all the, all the loose threads of like, you know, are being brought back for this. Uh, no, uh, there was one big one that, um, I neglected to think of, um, and they covered that for this chapter. So. <laughs> uh, but we'll get there. This chapter, fresh off of the reveal that, no, Best Genius was not murdered in cold blood by Hawks. No, they faked it, and so he's back now, and hooray, he's here to save the day. And that's the only big return we're going to get for a little while, I'm sure. Um, We get a little bit of a, you know, kind of backtracking a little bit to confirm that, yeah, he was that dude in the plane. And we see that he came prepared for this fight. He, you know, he brought all those giant spools of cable and stuff with him and stuff. It's kind of cool to see, like, you know, a hero like, hey, I'm gearing up for freaking war. So I'm going to bring all this stuff that helps me out with my quirk and really control the entire battlefield. Uh, He doesn't really say anything important. He just we just see that he also saw the broadcast Dobby did. And he's like, well, I'm going to go kick your ass now. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of it. Um, and he says, you will not get in our way today because we shall weave a thread of hope because that's the chapter title. Hooray. Yeah. That's, I, I didn't know this little fact about fucking best genius, but I, I guess he, he makes a bunch of fucking fabric puns yeah, a lot. Jokes. Yeah. Yes. You, you didn't pay too, too close attention to, uh, his and Bakugo's interactions. I no, guess. No, I really tuned them out. In my mind, uh, in my mind, Best Genius was always a joke character. I was always like, nah, he has fucking his like outfit is a pair of pants that go up to his nose. Like it's the dumb he's supposed to be a joke character, right? And then uh then he had a match against Chris Jericho where he actually tried, and I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm starting to get this guy now. Orange Cassidy as best genius. Eh, not really. Alright. That's <laughs> right. They both wear denim have kind of have completely contrasting person personas so. but they both wear denim jackets that's all you need yep. all right <laughs> best genius wraps up gigantomachia because he is the number three hero and he is super awesome 
um, pulls Gigantamaki down to the ground. Everyone's like, yay, best genius is here. Dobby is also wrapped up in the cables. It looks like he managed to get every single one of the uh, villains that were on Gigantamaki's back individually wrapped up, except for uh, it looks like Spinner and Shigaraki got wrapped up together because they were kind of all clustered together. Um, and yes, like you were saying, best genius makes a lot of fabric puns. Uh, and he's, he's like, you know, he, he says that the villains have overreached and are now coming apart at the seams like cheap, inferior denim. OK. The big thing that happens here is that Gigantomachia is staying down. And the reason for that that Spinner quickly picks up on is the fact that Shigaraki's unconscious. So he's not delivering orders to anyone. So that means that Gigantomachia is not hearing his orders. And that's the thing that actually makes him stand up and take action. But it's OK because... Uh, Dobby is fire based, so he just can burn stuff straight through the cables. And so as Spinner is trying to wake up Shigaraki so that he can issue a command by biting him. I mean, yeah. Hey, wake me up. You just start chomping on me. Yeah. Nedure goes flying in to try and take action and is hit with fire from Dobby (laughs) and <laughs> it just you're like, yeah, no, that's exactly what I expected her to do in this. Thank you for thank you for coming, Nedry. I guess <laughs> I feel bad. It's like, why was she here? Like all those <laughs> pa- hit by fire. all those like pages, like Nedry showed up and she got like that show off panel at the end of the one chapter where like Dobby and everybody showed up. And you're just like, ooh, I wonder if she's gonna. <laughs> no, she, she's she's done. <laughs> Also, Todoroki reacts very strongly to her being hit. So, I don't know. Ship him, I guess. <laughs> it's their first interaction. I don't know. I've, I've shipped characters on less. I don't know. I don't know. They may have traded a few words back when the big three are introduced. I can't remember. <laughs> but she's hit with fire. Uh, we don't really see the after effects of that, but we know that Dobby's fire is very, very dangerous. So she could be very fucked up. Uh, Todoroki is very upset to see, you know, his own brother, you know, callously incinerating people. Uh, well, meanwhile, Dobby is just mocking Endeavor because he's like, check it out. That's another kid whose bright future was just burned up by your flames because he's just being an asshole. And, you know, uh, Deku can't get up. He's too fucking hurt. Uh, Endeavor is like, if the number one hero loses here, the whole country is done for. Uh, but then Shigaraki starts to stir as he kind of is like inside his mind palace with that childhood home of his. Uh, and he's just thinking to himself, it itches. I gotta, I gotta stop the itch. And he manages to get out. Machia, destroy. And Gigantomachia gets up and the cables snap off of him. Oh, it's okay, Chris. Things can still get worse. It's it's, it's more oh, no. happen- more happening. The high ends, remember them? They uh, half of them have been defeated off panel by a bunch of the heroes, but apparently half of the heroes also got taken out, and they suddenly start racing over towards Shigaraki is because I guess they also got the command. Uh, well, actually, presume I think that they established that they were st- all connected. 
before. Anyway, they're heading to the side of the battle, too. Burnin is like, oh, we got to stop them from getting Shigaraki. And a high-end Nobu apparently gets her. No, someone oh, no. someone hits it, doesn't don't they? Yes. You're right. I actually thought that this was supposed to be a foreboding thing, like, oh no, burning got eaten, and then I looked at it and I was like, oh wait, someone's punching it. And then I had to sit there, I was like, who fucking else is left to like have a big reveal here, right? I believe that that then sets up the reveal we get five pages later. So it would make sense. Gigantamachia is resisting all the cables tying him down. Best Genius is trying desperately to keep him held down. Todoroki and Dobby are basically, like, having a DBZ fight, but with fire instead of power auras. Um, and there is kind of a funny thing that happens here, because Todoroki is like, Oh, look, all those villains that you sent after our family. One of them almost killed Natsu. He's the brother, you know, remember him, the brother you cried to every day? And Dobby's like, Oh, almost killed. Uh, would have really hurt Endeavor if he had died. I really do admire that level of just like, ah, dang, that would have really fucked with him. Like, shit, man, he is gone. The Shoto goes, are you insane? And Dobby's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, it'll be the, the best thing that they could do if there is never a redemption arc for Dobby. Dobby lives his life as this eternal fuck you spirit to endeavor until the day he dies that is the exact right way to play this character they try and have like one of those like pull the villain out of prison because we need their help for this one mission thing that shonen loves to do and halfway through the plot arc they betray them all he's like well i gotta go fuck with endeavor some more guys bye (laughs) (laughs) he's like i heard endeavor got a new goldfish time to incinerate the shit out of that my little Endeavor's really, really excited about his wireless plan, so I'm going to go burn <laughs> up the cell phone tower. He starts getting really petty. Like, I already really enjoys the, uh, the the seat warmers in his new car. I'm going to break the seat warmers. He gave a four-star review to this place on Yelp, and we're going to go set fire to the restaurant. <laughs> he said he really liked their creme pate, so I'm going to burn all their sugar. <laughs> He liked this one YouTube video, so I'm gonna go. <laughs> he got a good deal on gas at one place, so I'm gonna burn it to the ground. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, but Dobby also says your brother's not so big on feelings anymore, which, I mean, you, you seem to be enjoying yourself, so I, whatever. Yeah. So grim dark. I know. Uh, Todoroki uh, is, you know, trying to keep up with him. They're both kind of like just covered in fire, but presumably have some immunity to fire, which is a little bit weird because Dobby's, you know, skin is burned by his own flames. I don't know. So the 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 Hayanomu start he- arrive. They start heading right for Best Genus. Uh, and Deku is still telling himself, I've got to move. I've got to move. I can't. I, no one's been saved yet. If I if I don't move now, then people are going to die. I've got to cover genus. Ida is like the only one, you know, who is not occupied with an opponent right now who is capable of moving. And he went to go and catch Nejire because um, she's probably going to die without help. So as Deku is trying to get himself to move, all of a sudden... <laughs> 
Mirio's face appears from the ground, and he shoots up through the earth and attacks the high-end Noma while going, POWER! And he's back! He's can go intangible again. So, that's been wrapped up, I guess. <laughs> he got his quirk back. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it, it would make sense. Uh, they've shown Aerie has been training with her power off screen. The first thing she would have done when she had any measure of control over it is repair Mirio. And this, if any, there, any point there was a time for it, this would probably be the point to do it. If that's what happened, there might be another reason. Who knows? Um... I'm having trouble finding an elegant way to put my thoughts in order on this. And all I can say is, uh, Horikoshi, stop playing with it. I've already come. (laughs) I look, I appreciate it, but what you're doing right now really is a waste of both of our times. At some point you front loaded things a little too early and all these reveals after the fact, it's just not doing it for me anymore. I'm going to need time or something, but you got to help me out here right now. This is just kind of silly for both of us. So I feel like I found an elegant way to put it. I'm not sure if I would use the word Ellie, <laughs> but you certainly put it in a way that I understood. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. Uh, so I am still of the opinion that there's probably going to be some other arc that happens after this one, Mm -hmm. um, because just purely from the stance of, okay, Deku has the whole thing going on with the quirks that he hasn't mastered yet. There was a certain number that he was supposed to potentially eventually master. Um, and you know, you know, we can do a whole other thing in order for him to have more adventures with that. Like I said previously, gearing up for a time skip. And, you know, you for this particular development of, oh, this was a loose thread that's getting wrapped up, uh, there's no better time to do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, c- given that this is a case where, like, you know, Shigaraki is literally planning on using the things that stole Mirio's quirk to bring down all of Hero Society, and literally and Mirio's whole thing was he wants to be someone who saves a million people and everyone's lives are on the line basically right at this moment. Yeah. I guess it's a pretty good time for him to show back up and save the day. Okay. Uh, the pace of everything that has happened over the past, (sighs) not quite a year, because there was a lot of build that was building up to the big, like, you know, wave of villains and Hayanomu and Shigaraki's powers and stuff like that. But this stretch of the battle where it's been Shigaraki actively fighting against people. Oh, like, well, that's it, that... a big thing, 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 a big thing. And for this, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, oh, there should things should slow down. It's like. It is a big action thing, mm-hmm. but it is just a matter of like, <laughs> it's kind of written the way that like a casual fan wants it to be written. 
mm-hmm. in the sense of, and then this guy shows up, this guy, and and and, and all my action figures get involved yeah. in the fight. Yeah, that's a great um, way of putting it. This is a kid just throwing in all their action figures into the big the big finale, and one fights. You know, it's it doesn't seem set up for like an extended stretch that features you know, a few key characters, it seems set up for just like, and then everyone's there and they're just going boom, you know, uh, and that can be good, but it can also be exhausting. And I, we passed the threshold for that for me a considerable time ago. I am 100% certain that there are going to be big fans of the series who are reading through this or who watch the anime adaptation are just like, ah, because all the the stuff and all the characters that they've been waiting to come back are coming back and stuff like that. But it's a bit much. And uh, I'm kind of ready to get to the point of, all right, let's finish up so I can, you know, enjoy what happens next because I'm not really enjoying this anymore. I'm not having a bad time or anything because it's, you know, it is big stuff. It's not stuff that, you know, gets me ha- pleases me specifically mm-hmm. i guess now that said when jiro shows up with everyone and her sound wave saved the day <laughs> then i'll be like oh best manga ever <laughs> <That's> the best <laughs> all right let's move on now why don't we okay so this is uh what are we doing next kaiju number eight okay all right so Kafka has arrived in order to save Ichikawa from the humanoid kaiju that had the finger guns and stuff. And um, he punched off its head and uh, he got better. Yep. Kafka, of course, has been identified as kaiju number eight by the humanoid kaiju. Ishikawa down in order to go and is like, hey, you know, just relax for right now and, you know, use your suit's function so you can bind your wounds. Then again, I mean, he's he's like, I can't use the suit's functions at all. So, ah, ah." Uh, but Ishikawa is, you know, still worried on Kafka's behalf. So he's just like, hey, be careful. So So, the human eye kaiju is like, why are you getting in the way of a fellow kaiju? You know, you know, what, 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 what are you doing? Uh, and then he says, you're much stronger than I thought. I want your corpse for myself. And finger bullet holes start to appear in Kafka's torso, although it looks like they don't penetrate all the way through. They just bleed big old dents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a big deal because, hey, Kafka's been hurt. Uh, in his kaiju form. And this is the first time we've seen that. He hasn't fought too many times, but this is the first time that, you know, Saitama has not, has punched, had to punch more than once, basically. Yep. Uh, the human eye kaiju quickly assesses that Kafka is quite tough. So in order to kill him, I need to go bigger. And so the, the finger swells that he was using before that kind of, you know, launched his bullets, um, he grows a bunch of giant tendrils that do that instead. And the bulges are now all bigger than his body is by default. Yay. So of course, immediately the normal guys there are like, Oh, he was just playing around with us. He was not fighting seriously. Ichikawa starts to warn Kafka to run away. But Kafka just says, 
this is what you've been shooting the hell out of their bodies with. And there's a very weird, like, uh, he looks distorted, like, like mirage in a desert distorted briefly, I guess from like power flowing off of him is the idea. I would assume I so. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, generic anime energy surrounding you that mm-hmm. for some reason, I shield 21 had in the anime. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> blam, 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 blam. Giant bulgy bullet things get fired out. Kafka opens his mouth and it opens to the point that his mouth needs to grow a little bit further back for him to keep opening it. And he shouts. And the force of his shout blows away all the bullets. And the humanoid kaiju has enough time to go, huh? <laughs> And then Kafka's standing in front of him. I do really enjoy... Obviously, there's a lot of Godzilla and kaiju sort of connections throughout this. I do love the way that it looks like this sonic blast that uh, Kafka could do uses the same kind of trick they used. I don't know if it's in the older Godzilla movies at all. I noticed it in the newer Godzilla ones where the spines on the back started to glow as they got closer and closer to the head when it was about uh, Godzilla was about to do the atomic breath. So in my mind, that's what the spine on the back, because you can see the electricity kind of rippling through them, is like you can see it like kind of rippling towards it as it gets closer before you unleash this big mm-hmm. sonic blast. That's a very cool visual. I do know that in older ones, you would see like the, a wave of energy going up through his body, but I don't know if it was on his spines. Right. But anyway. Kafka appears in front of the humanoid kaiju and punches him. He punches him a lot. The humanoid kaiju tries to pull the same trick that he pulled when he uh, deflected Ichikawa's blast earlier by just grabbing some corpses and pulling them in between the two of them. And he's like, all right, now I'll use this chance to recover. And Kafka just, <laughs> and he's made it, he waves his arms and tears through them. And he's in front of the humanoid kaiju again and just doesn't know how to react. He's like, what is he? And he tries to buy some distance by firing at Kafka from point blank range. Kafka punches really 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 fast and just punches all of the bullets as they as they come out towards him at point blank range and he's like this is abnormal something's off it's taking longer than usual to heal the damage why is that he just literally turns to run he's like i'll retreat for now and kafka punches him in the gut and it hurts and Literally, like, he doesn't even have time to to finish his next thought. He's like, yeah, I need to retreat, but I can't find an open. And Kafka just goes, your core is in your torso, isn't it? Uh, and something happens here that I have been trying to figure out exactly what happens. Because you don't really get a f- clear full body shot of what happens next. But what I believe happens is that... For a moment, he grows, like, supports from his legs and then a jet of some sort in, like, his elbow. But when you see the full motion of the punch that he throws with that brace and with that fire and that, you know, speed up, uh, neither of those things are visible in the full body shot. Yeah. So... I don't know. I don't really know 100%. Maybe that's just a misty tone. Maybe we can't 
see it from where we are. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit of a mark against this moment for me because I got confused when I was reading this. I was going through the sequential art. You know, you expect one thing to lead to another and then the thing that you're expecting is not there. Uh, mm. But he punches the humanite kaiju who really has no option but to just kind of try and block it with his arms. Uh, and that doesn't go incredibly well as the force of the punch just starts to tear away at his body. Uh, you see like his mouth have like the lips get stripped away and teeth start to get knocked askew and stuff. And then his body flies backwards in like ribbons uh, and is mostly torn apart. And the human Akaitra lands on its back, seemingly armless. Uh, and he's like, ugh. I'm still in one piece, but my core has been exposed and like his rib cage is open and stuff. So Kafka starts to approach the humanoid kaiju, says, this is over. And then there is a skirt. And uh, a couple of agents from Ikaruga platoon show up and they have their sights on a humanoid kaiju. Uh oh. Uh oh. SpaghettiO. Um. This is a good chapter. This is a really exciting one. Um, and I do like the ending, the, the moment of like, all right, time to take care of this big bad guy. Oh, no, the, the you know, the actual good guys have shown up, but they've now done this mistaken thing. So now we're seeing this character again. Um, although there is a part of me that does just want to see this humanoid kaiju die because uh, I yeah. don't know if it has enough character that I'm like, oh, I hope it shows up again even stronger or something like that. Uh, but still, like I, I think the 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 visuals presented here, even though the last I I didn't even notice that there was a panel where his the back of his elbow opened up to create a jet because that's such a cool visual. The fact it's not visible at all that one scene really does hamper it. But I do think everything looked cool. I love the idea that this thing blocks with all his power. But as we've seen from Kafka's punch before, it'll just rip through things in a single layer. Like when we watch that one kaiju get through, like you know, layer by layer. Yeah, um, I thought it was uh, a fun chapter. It was fun seeing Kafka, you know, kick this thing's ass after seeing uh, Ichikawa and uh, the other one uh, <laughs> struggle against it. <laughs> I'll get it eventually. Um, but then, of course, you yeah throw in the twist of like, oh, well, the, you know, the core have cited him. So this is you know complicating things. How are they going to handle this? Mm. So uh We'll see how this goes. We shall. Also, I believe that they are from. Uh, I believe that they re those guys might specifically report to uh, uh, Hoshino. So. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Spy Family. Spy Family. This is. A lot of stuff happens in this chapter because it's a very like plot important chapter. So I'm not going to go through it blow by blow because be here for a while <laughs> um but the main thing that's happening is that the imperial scholars mixer is happening that's the is the entire reason that they wanted anya to get uh the the star medallion things was so that she would be you know able to attend this thing and would be able to make a contact with his target uh and we get uh, several pages at the beginning of lloyd in disguise uh, observing things and he basically is just like there is no way for me to actually get into this 
unless I get in legitimately as Lloyd Forger, as Anya's father, because there's no way to just break into the place without being spotted. I can't, you know, you can't spy in through the windows. Uh, and if I go in in disguise, then I'll either be someone that nobody recognizes, which means that I'll be under suspicion, or I'll show up as someone who, you know, uh, is supposed to be there, but just doesn't happen to be there at that one time. And I need to make continuous contact with this target. And people will realize that, oh, this person who was here last week uh, doesn't remember being here last week. And they'll figure it then. So they'll, they'll eventually figure it out. So that's the difficulty for what we're dealing with. And we're, I guess just kind of being reminded of all these details and stuff because of what happens in this chapter and mm. going forward. Yes. So, uh, we cut to Anya's classroom where the Imperial scholars thing, the students are, you know, told about it as a, some students are like, Oh, is your dad going to be there, Damien? Cause your brother's an Imperial scholar and he's ignoring them. Uh, and he flashes back, to uh you know when he was at the dorms earlier that day uh and he basically goes to be called up demetrius his older brother who's the imperial scholar and uh so he's basically asked his brother like hey can you deliver a message to father just that you know i look forward to seeing him afterward even if it's just for a little bit and i'm going to be waiting for him here and his brother's like I mean, I'll tell him, but don't you get your don't get your hopes up. He's a busy man, and that's it. It doesn't seem like the brothers are very close. Uh, so, nope. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, Damien is you know kind of just kind of left thinking about this. Anya is you know kind of spying on him from afar. As a couple of people are like, "Oh, can I say hi to your dad?" And he was like, "Leave me alone." Uh, so. Anya is, you know, kind of just like focused on Damien while Becky is like, you want to go shopping? And she's kind of like covertly following after Damien and his friends. And she's like, I'll tail Scion boy and I'll face the super boss head on. <laughs> she's got this weird. <laughs> and she like imagines like speaking to Damien's dad and being like, my papa's a real bargain, which I don't even know what that would mean. <laughs> I assume it's a line she heard a cartoon characters say because there's that spy thing and something like that and she's just parodying it because that's the only thing I can think of that's the only way that Anya says anything that sounds subtle yeah uh, Damien of course because she's not a super spy so they're all like why is she following us and Damien's like go away you're creeping me out um, it gets to a point where um, Damien's hangers on start to say something and they're like Maybe the reason she's following you and Damien, who's clearly starting to get a little bit of a thing for Anya, is like, what, what, shut up, what, shut, shut up. Uh, maybe she's trying to get a favor with your father. Oh, uh, shut up. Yeah, you go away. And he tells Anya to grow some legs, runt, which all y'all are six years old. You guys are three foot nothing. Shut up. You're no one to talk. So... <laughs> My favorite moment of the chapter, Damien runs off and it's like, get away from me. And Anya like turns to Becky while pointing after Damien's like, I think I should probably punch him again. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Becky, like you're going to get expelled if you do it again. <laughs> um, 
but at that moment, she senses Lloyd's thoughts because Lloyd is watching from in secrecy. And so Lloyd is considering what they need to happen here because like, oh, well, if she can't make friends with him, then what am I going to do? Uh, so Anya keep, does, keeps on trying to pester Damien, basically, while Lloyd goes to uh, kind of tail everyone in secret. And he sees that Damien is heading near the Imperial Scholars meeting so that uh, he can, you know, meet with his father afterwards. Uh, then uh, Damien kind of starts to lose faith because of how intimidating everything is, because, you know, his friends are like, oh, wow, you know, your dad is so important. He's he's so busy. And Damien's like, no, nah, I'm going to I'm going to tell my dad not to bother him to see me afterward. You know, he's, he's he's really busy. Uh, he's he's very important, uh, so he doesn't have time to waste on people like me. So I'm gonna go tell my brother. But as he turns, Anya stands in his path, and she realizes, like, no, 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 I can't let this happen. So she says, "Are you scared? You are. I know it." And Damien goes, "Is she reading my mind or something?" And so Anya has to go, like, "Uh, I mean." I know you only scored a 50 on a recent test of, of and, and the, me again, Damien's like, how do you know this? <laughs> so, so Anya is like, oh, cause I was peeking over your shoulder. Oh, she's more confident um, that she's so, like, hey, I was peeking over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, like that was like, that was the chess move. Like check. I was looking over your shoulder, idiot. <laughs> so, She's <laughs> with no like warning, like because this was not going to be like the setup and the payoff or anything like that. This is like something else that Anya's probably clearly been kind of ha- had like you know pushed off in the back of her mind that's been covered up by spy cartoons and you know her mind reading spy mission and stuff like that. She hasn't actually been worried about this for a while, but now she's thinking about it. And so she's going to have a thing like it's the moral that she's learned from all of this. And so everyone can take something from this. And she says like, well, yeah, you know, you don't know how to tell your father. I know how you feel. I got a 17 (laughs) way worse than Damien. But she says, I don't know if my papa likes me or not. So I'm kind of scared. His mind is so complicated. I can't really read his thoughts. And he gets mad at me a lot. But I believe in him because I love him. So I'm going to summon my courage to tell him I failed. And everyone's kind of like, wait, what's going on? And Anya turns to look at Becky like, what was I talking about? <laughs> so Damien is kind of embarrassed, basically, into deciding I'm going to go talk to my dad. And I don't really know exactly why he decided to do that, but I guess because Anya was like, I'm not scared to tell my father that I failed. He's like, I guess I won't be scared to talk to him in general. So uh, Lloyd has been watching all of this and is very pleased with this turn of events. Damien is left to sit on a bench to wait for his father. His his hangers on or hang out nearby. And Anya also sits on some nearby steps. And Becky's like, Anya, my car's here to take us home. What are you, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing here? And then she's like, oh, oh, it's because she's so serious about Damien. She wants to meet his parents because she wants their blessing to marry. <laughs> this girl. <laughs> so she's like, all right, I'll wait here with you. I want to see the big moment with my own eyes. Next page, Anya's falling asleep. <laughs> 
Yeah, so her flight of fancy could only take her this far. Becky gets 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 Martha and they get Anya into the car and they then they drive home. Hooray. But that's not it. Not quite. Oh man. So Lloyd has created a replica of the charm that Anya and Becky got in the last chapter. I do love the little indicator of like, oh yeah, Twilight made this by hand. It cost him 10 delegates instead of like the 600 or what it was. Um, so basically he just made a replica of it so that he could leave it behind on the scene. And then he comes back as himself later on and is like, oh yes, I'm looking for something that my daughter lost. Have you guys, have you guys seen in a keychain somewhere and since he left it specifically where Damien would find it Damien's like oh yeah it was it was on the ground over there oh thank you and then Lloyd takes this as an opportunity to apologize for a the time that Anya punched him because that's why we were reminded of that earlier in the chapter and he like makes a big show and he gets down on his on one knee and he's like oh I'm so sorry it was completely inexcusable and Damon's like I mean it's fine he's like no no I must apologize to your parents as well and before Damien can really come up with a good excuse to get rid of him uh Damien's father arrives following the meeting and this dude's got some eyes man he's he's like I'm, I'm trying to think who he reminds me of Besides, like, every serial killer ever. Um, <laughs> God, I need to look up a character real quick. Uh, but yeah, he, he's got a very distinct look to him. Very wide, sunken eyes and a big mustache as well. Uh, not so much big as it is thick. Like, I mean, that thing's got to be like. That thing's got to be like an inch high. Like, <laughs> you see, when you consider how how little space there should be between nose and, and lip like that. But yeah. Um, so yeah, Damien's father has arrived. And of course, Lloyd takes up the chance to immediately, Oh, I need to apologize for my daughter's behavior towards your son. My name is Lloyd Forger. And so there's this big full page spread. The two just looking at each other to end the chapter as Lloyd has successfully made first contact with this very important target. So there you go. I guess, I don't know. My mind, I keep thinking of like the, uh, the assassin dude from the Spriggan 12, but now that I look at him, I don't look at anything similar. So, I don't know, maybe it's just that similar head shape. I can see why you might think about that guy, but yeah. It's a good chapter. This is a long chapter. This one felt it is. very long, despite not actually being all that long, but it was just very dense with developments. And I think all of them are yeah, generally of, very good. A lot good. of plot, a lot of text. So. Yeah. Speaking of hero, though, Nick... <laughs> Unless you had another thought you wanted to throw yes. out there. No, 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 no. I, I like I like the chapter. I like the Anya bits the most, obviously. So, mm. uh, so let's move over to Eden Zero Neck, chapter 121, Darling Little Piece of Junk. And we get uh, a cover spread of uh, Hermit hanging out with Weiss. Uh, I don't want her hanging out with Weiss, though, because Weiss is an asshole. But I don't know. Maybe like... She's putting her hands on him in a way that concerns me. You know... She's glomping. Isn't don't the kids still do that today? Don't they glomp? I mean, Nick, are you glomping? It, well, no. you shouldn't be glomping right now. We're in a pandemic, people. But, right. you know, 
in normal society, maybe a glomp. I don't know. Rebecca. I, I have never described myself as a glomper. So. <laughs> okay. Rebecca has clothes again, Nick. I guess electronic shop. I guess electronic shops have started carrying clothes too. That's a line to explain why Rebecca has clothes again. <laughs> you know what, Chris? You know, uh, sometimes we take for granted that, you know, because uh, Mashima Hero. He's got all these seminal shonen series under his belt, and sometimes we we don't take the time to appreciate what a mind, what a what a gifted writer he is. But I guess electronic shops have started carrying clothes to the world building. <laughs> the the <laughs> couldn't even have just been. I'm glad that electronic shop was next to a clothes store or something like that, as opposed to a shot. Where there is not a single fucking piece of electronics behind her, it is straight up she is at a clothing store if you look at the background of that shot. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so she's like, cool, I'll leave some money behind for the clothes and the vacuum cleaner because she's not a thief. And I appreciate that about her. Yeah. Um, she does say, hey, I want to check something out. So Pino, I'm going to give you this notepad of pen. Can you think of a word and hide it so I don't see it? Pino's like, okay, I wrote a word. And Rebecca's like, I'm going to guess the word. Apple? Pino's like, no, the word I wrote is human. So Rebecca's like, human, okay. So she activates Aww, Cat Leaper. Because yeah. that's, that's her big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very adorable little detail. So she travels back, and it's at that moment where she puts on the clothes, and she's like, okay, I guess I, I, I did it, but I only went back like a minute or two. Is that the best I could do? And I was like, a minute or two is pr- still pretty fucking huge in the context of, like, fighting. Uh, so she's like, all right, P- does the same thing. Pino, grab this paper, write a word. All right, I'm going to guess the word human. And she's like, how did you know? And she's like, oh, I just came back from the future during Cat Leaper. So now that I know how to use this power, it's unstoppable. I'll do it again. She comes back, shouldn't have done it again. Shouldn't have done it again. <laughs> she's She's got a splitting headache. Her skin starts to actually like visibly crack, almost as though she was like a piece of glass to shatter. And she's like, oh, boy. Okay, I can't do that too many times. Uh, so she's she's learned that she can do it. It's very exhausting. She can't go back more than just a little bit. And this is actually separate from what she believes is the thing she used back at Dragon Joe's headquarters where she went back a whole week. This almost seems to be something different. She calls it reverse. So she's like, all right, cool. Take this notepad at the very end, uh, basically, so she can do her little human test again, presumably. I want to show off again. <laughs> yeah, basically. Cut over to Shiki and Hamora. This is the best part of the chapter. I just want to say before we okay. move on. Okay. Uh, just all this stuff, this stuff with Rebecca, where she tests out her power, and we get her doing it in a way that's like you know feels natural for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually kind of grown to like Rebecca branding her techniques and stuff like that. Because when you think about it, it's like she, especially when she does the whole thing where she like turns and looks out of the page and goes, this is my power reverse. And it's like, well, that seems very unnatural until you consider the fact that she's a beekeeper. She is constantly like, you know, like putting on, trying to put out, put out video content and she's trying to, you know, brand things and stuff like that. So it's like, that makes perfect sense for her. Mm-hmm. And also just the very straightforward. Okay. Here's how this power works because I didn't know how it worked. So I experimented with it and I'm discovering how my powers work. So I experiment on it as I, f- what I can do. 
And also, just a very reassuring, yes, I can go back in time at will now, but holy shit, I can basically only do it once for a very in a very long period of time because it starts to kill me otherwise. Yeah, so. she also notices it feels like there's an anchor point because she'll always seem to go back at the exact same point. Um, we cut over to a, a small forest lagoon where Shiki is hanging out by a tree and Hamora is taking a bath. I don't know why she's taking a bath. They don't explain it. I guess because it's she so has to cool down. Doesn't have the most shameless fan service this week. I, I suppose. Because uh, the context, I'm like, I guess she would want to cool off. But why the fuck would she take all of her clothes off and take a full on bath as opposed to just like. Like she's fucking just sitting in there. She's just soaking. She's not washing. She's just fucking. She's just chilling and vibing in there. Um, they use this time to have a discussion about things. Rebecca uh, Amor basically is like, oh, you know, I have all these, you know, great thoughts. You all are my best friends and we're all going to go to mother together. I have her wishes granted. But I wonder if she'll only grant one wish. What if basically she forces us to do a battle royale to see who will get their their wish granted? And Cheeky's like, well, if that's the case. I don't want to wish because my friends are more important. It's a little sweet of a moment. Uh, and then really she's like, stop staring at me. Then she stands up and her butt's straight at the screen. So yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's why she had to go take a bath. So yeah, I mean, be real. <laughs> that's why she had to. But to like, holy crap! I feel incredible. Ether headed this way. One, two, three guys, new bad guys, and we see Orc, who's smashed up in the ground. Who's like, this is Beast Squad Six. Respond, and then. B Squad 1 is here, and boy, are you pathetic, Squad 6. And there's three guys. One of them has, like, the Tengu kind of looking face. One of the dudes, uh, he's really into, like, heavy metal and piercings. And the other dude's a thing. I don't know what the fuck he is, but he's also there. And they're like, don't worry, we're going to capture this guy and bring him back. It's the real Beast Squad, Nick. You thought the other guys were it? Uh-uh, this is Beast Squad 1. And we all know the numbers go up, they get stronger. But there's also a Zero, probably, who's the strongest of all of them. We won't know until he grows really big and he gets beaten off screen. But yeah, the real Beast Squad is here to 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 bring this all to a close. So... We go from like just very straightforward, hey, a little bit of, you know, Rebecca figuring out her powers kind of thing to uh, a flawed, shall we say, exchange between Homer and Shiki where there is some nice, you know, sentiments exchanged. But the main purpose of it seems to be to get Homer naked and yeah. show shots of her curved bits. Um, even though like the content of the conversation with that, I actually kind of like. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the thing where like, you know, hey, what if only one of us can make a wish? Oh, well, you know, I would I would not fight you guys because, you know, you guys are too important. It's like, oh, that's very nice. Yeah, that's that's like, you know, a proper measure of, you know, you always going friendship, 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 friendship. If you actually say, like, I would definitely put you guys ahead of, you know, something that I want. So nice. Uh, and then we get the most hero of all things. <laughs> Just you thought that villain group, but this villain group. So instead of having, you know, one well-developed villain group we have two bad ones basically <laughs> so and also whoever all the other stuff by the way while this is going on oh 
Oh, I forgot there's the rest of the chapter after that. Yeah, there's too. still I more. Kind of, like presumed to just end it on that point. But no, there's more. <laughs> yeah, there's more to the chapter. So we cut over to a gigantic space battle. Uh, I would describe it, but the action's completely incomprehensible to, to read. Really that's that's just space battles in general. They're pretty hard to actually see what's happening. Basically, the ship that Wise and Hermit is on lands. Hermit makes like the Joseph Joestar joke where she's like pretends that she's been infected but uh, gives up the act a lot quicker. So, you know, Weiss is just like, ah, you know, a little kidding moment between them. And she's like, hey, don't worry. I have an antivirus shield on. So they land. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Weiss, we have to go and reprogram the virus because it might infect the shining stars. Don't worry. I have an antivirus shield. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) But I guess even she kind of recognizes that may not actually work because she does say to Wise, hey, if I go berserk, don't hesitate to destroy me. Uh, And I don't know why I like the art in that panel for some reason. It just seems kind of expressive in the way of like, I'm asking you to kill me and I don't want to, but like, I value our friendship. It's kind of undermined because immediately he does the head like, oh, you little, you rascal, don't you worry. We're going to get you there. But, you know, I like that Hermit's ready to make that sacrifice. Uh, they get to just, they, they just walk through a ship and someone immediately is like, hoo ha ha, the Skullbot was right, magnificent. He said, I would meet you if I stayed here and I see you spoke the truth. Hello, my darling little piece of junk. Would you like to continue our experiment? And it's Dr. Mueller. From Hermit's uh, little backstory, he's uh, he's a yeah. robot man now. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> I'm. It's weird because there's a moment where I was like, I think this this little mini arc's kind of wrapping up, and then you're like, No, I guess it's just starting. <laughs> Question mark. I I really don't know. <laughs> exactly what's happening here i guess you still need something for like laguna and chris and all of them to do besides just blow up ships but like here's the new villain group also hermit's major like antagonist from her backstory is here at all again so we're actually not done we're, we're kind of just getting started like okay all right i guess <laughs> I really don't have too much more to say. It's just kind of like a chapter oh. that was pretty good at the first half, and then the other half, I'm like, all right, I guess this is still it's going. worse and worse and worse <laughs> as it goes on. Like, yeah, it goes from like actively good to, and then all right, and then it gets to, well, that was stupid, and then it's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I would have probably more appreciated the banter we got between her and. Uh, and uh, Weiss, if uh, it hadn't led to the insanely evil scientist who was evil for no reason turning up again to be more evil, because I guess we needed that closure for Hermit, even though she already got her closure from that. Yeah. All I right. mean, yeah, I, it makes sense. The whole story is supposed to be about robots that uh, and their relationship with humanity and Hermit's the character True. with that True. backstory. So it makes sense for this arc. Uh, I'm just surprised this arc's still going because it kind of felt like we were wrapping things up. Speaking of things that look like they're wrapping up, Nick. Apparently. Yeah. So, last time, Makima um, fed her 
blood to Enji so that they could fight. And we get that in chapter 95 at Chainsaw Man versus Control Devil. As Makima is standing over Denji, she's got all the people who are bound to her uh, floating up in the air behind her, chained uh, from their chests to Makima. And so she pulls Denji's ripcord and says, rise and shine. And Denji immediately cuts her head off. But as we see, Makima's got the infinite lives hack. Uh, as she's getting butchered, like a head will just fly off of one of the people chained to her and her head will reattach every time that she takes damage. It, someone else takes the damage instead. And so we just get brawling between this chainsaw boy and pantsuit girl, uh, who doesn't have any weapons, but is also just very strong. Like, she punches into Denji's chainsaws and it chops her arm off and also tears Denji's arm off from the force of her punch. And they keep on punching and punching and punching and slashing and slashing and slashing. And like Makima's upper torso is getting torn off. You see her spinal cord gets severed while her guts spill out until she just eventually turns and puts her fist through Denji's back out through his stomach then tears out and punches the same hole she just made. And Denji's freaking entrails are coming out. She knees him in the ribs and is tearing arms off. And eventually there's just this big two page spread where she's cradling Denji's body in her arms while she tears out Pochita from his stomach. And you see like Pochita, which is kind of like an organ from Denji's body now still trailing into Denji's body, the ripcord sticking out of uh, Pochita's head. And she's kind of puts a little bit of pressure on Pochita as Denji starts to vomit up blood. And Makima says, it was, un it was unavoidable that you would lose to my bare hands. You aren't chainsaw man. After all, how can I get you to give up on this world? Denji, what do I need to do for you to turn back into chainsaw man? And Denji spits, not like bleh, but like very specifically, Patui. which is very impressive considering he has no lips and his teeth are needles, but he manages it anyway. <laughs> and he spits some blood right in Makima's face on her cheek. And Makima just goes, Chainsaw Man doesn't spit. Chainsaw Man doesn't wear clothing and doesn't talk. Every action he takes should be chaotic. And yet, despite not getting him at all, you were chosen to be by Chainsaw Man. If you're going to get in our way, then die. And she rips Pochita completely free of Denji's body, severing the last strand of flesh connecting them. Denji coughs up a bunch more blood and collapses in a heap of blood and organs. And Makima stares down at him. And that's the chapter. Yep. Quite a beat down. So this is probably a scene that will work better in like any other context than this. Um, Cause the, the feeling I feel like I was supposed to get is that they have a, a real knockout fight. It, it's, it's exhausting. They're, they're, you know, Denji is continuously killing her, but she's not certain. She keeps coming back and she is just slowly wearing down on chainsaw man. 
Uh, and you're kind of supposed to get kind of like a grueling, arduous feeling, I feel like, from it. But because the manga takes like 15 seconds to read, just by the nature mm. of reading a chapter week to week, it doesn't feel quite like that. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, but as to the news I, I talked about earlier, there are a couple leaks that have come out that are saying Chainsaw Man is going to be ending basically two weeks from now. Uh, there should be like two chapters left. It's going to be in the jump issue, the second one of the 2021 line. So as it is, like, it's done, essentially. Like, we're about to wrap up, but this is also supposed to be an announcement, and no one really knows what the announcement is. Who knows what Chainsaw Man... Maybe Chainsaw Man Season 2 will start beginning. I don't know. Who knows? I really... I don't know, but the, at least this series of Chainsaw Man is just saying that it's it's going to end. Um, and I did, like, someone pointed out, they're like, so when Chainsaw Man started, One Piece was entering the Wano arc, and when Chainsaw Man ends, it's still in the Wano arc. Uh, but yeah, it, I don't know how to feel about this chapter, because we've kind of been saying for a while, like, how do I analyze these past, like, three mm-hmm. months of the series when I had no idea what direction it's going in? And because Fujimoto is so kind of cagey with everything, you're like, I don't know if the series is ending or if this is just his unique style. But now that it's ending, I guess this is kind of an okay ending. I guess I need to see like the next two chapters, but I feel like I've been saying that for the last like three months. Like, well, I'll wait to see what the next chapter is or something like that. And I maybe it's just time to admit that I just don't really care for this ending very much. Um it doesn't feel particularly exciting in the same way Chainsaw Man was for like the first half of the year. I think that if things end here, things are going to feel like, well, that's it, you know, because mm-hmm. like after the stuff that happened with power, it really did feel like things were kind of gearing up to go into some sort of big final arc as opposed to just one final battle. And even in the case of the one final battle, it hasn't been in- incredible because, you know, the preamble to this was Denji beating a bunch of guys he'd beaten already. Uh-huh. Um, I think that it's really interesting to see this monstrous person fighting against what looks like a young, a normal young woman and the normal young woman is actually the villain. That's, that's kind of cool to your point about the past, about how this is supposed to seem like it's a stamina contest kind of, uh, not it that would have been interesting. I, well, I, I don't want to say stamina contest. I just mean, I feel like, it's meant to feel like a lot of blows are being traded as opposed to like you read six pages of action. You're like, Oh shit. Okay. Now things important are supposed to happen. Yeah. I mean, afterwards you see, you know, the bodies that were chained to Makima on the ground and there's only 11 of them visible. I think that it would have been if you would, instead of having one of the, cause let's see. After a certain point, you basically stop seeing the bodies and you just see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages of Makima and Denji just trading blows. And I think it would have been interesting if one of those pages, instead of just like, you know, one of them loses a head or loses an arm or something like that, you just kind of like just see the line of people chained to Makima and you see their bodies dropping and dropping and dropping and dwindling down in order to just give you the idea of how much was happening. Uh, because it feels like that's kind of the entire 
point of like Makima's got in infinite lives. So mm-hmm. let's see them kind of get used up a little bit. Uh, and how hopeless it is for Denji to win when he literally can't kill her. Yes. Um, I think that seeing the visual of the Chainsaw Devil just being ripped out of Denji uh, is incredibly brutal and effective. Mm. Uh, so I'll give it that. But this whole thing did seem to just kind of happen very quickly. And I don't know exactly why. Um if this is the end and I'll believe Chainsaw Man is ending when I see the little thing that says the end, like four months later, like, all right, I think I might actually be done now. Yeah. <laughs> I learned my lesson after the seven deadly sins. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. Is it over? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, I can't wait for the series to end on a bad note so that I can then go. See, I told you Chainsaw Man was bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I told you it was like bleach. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Um, We'll see see where it goes. Yep. All right. That's all we can really say about Chainsaw Man. It's been the only thing we can we could really say for the last several months. So. All right. Let's talk about Maguchan, God of Destruction, Chapter 22, The Boy's Secret Plan. There's a cute color page with uh, Ruru hanging out with the uh, with the three gods. It's very mm-hmm. it's very cute looking, very very autumny, even though it's December now. But anyway, um, I'll sum up what happens in the first three pages very quickly. Ren has managed to get Ruru to go out with him to the mall and he's excited because it's basically like they're going on a date in his mind. Now, I think I've read this chapter before. It turns out it's actually a secret spy training mall and all of the shops are secret spy shops. No, Chris, Chris. Wait, Chris. what? <laughs> Chris, it's not the spy. It's oh. not one of the three spy manga we covered on this show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway there's they got some more coupons ren was sent by his older sister to go and give them to ruru but he manages to ask her out basically and of course she doesn't realize that he's asked her out because she brings magu because of course she does but ren's prepared this time because he hasn't come alone either he's brought in a putaku and we see that he basically hatched a plan going into this. Like, all right, when, when I go to with Ruru to Maranoia, I want you to come with me and keep the God of Destruction busy so I can be alone with Ruru. And in exchange, I'll give you some cooking supplies. And so they've, they've, they've hatched a deal there. And so immediately, once they get into the mall, Naputsuku points over like, Look, Magumanuaku, the world's rarest, most legendary dream not. So, and it was just like a tin of natto with the words dream not so written on the top that his hermit crabs are, are screwing around with. And but Nabutuku is like, it's all mine. And Amelia Magumanuku is like, you sure have none of it. <laughs> so, and there's actually kind of a cute little moment where Naputuku gives Ren a thumbs up with his non existent thumbs. Uh, and they're like, aw, so they're kind of, they're kind of buddies. So. Yeah. So, 
Ren's like, because Rue was like, oh no, they're going to get lost. And, and Ren's like, I'm sure they'll be fine. Let's enjoy our day together. <laughs> and then Nabutaku establishes that he has another telepathic ability, the frenzied whisper, which is what he can use to actually, you know, communicate with people from a distance. And so he just goes, we've gone off to explore. We will reconvene later. So worry not. <laughs> and Rue's like, well, okay, I guess. <laughs> so. So uh, they start to go shopping and Ren's like, all right, I've done it. We're all in together. We can start to enjoy ourselves together. Uh, and Rue is like, all right, I want to get something yummy to eat. And Ren's like, I mean, we came all the way here. Don't you want to, you know, buy something else like clothes or accessories? And Rue is like, well, I mean, I get all the clothes I want from Ren, but we could go to get some manga. It's like, that's my girl. <laughs> so they go to a bookstore. She also is uh, is like shopping for Magu because he wants to read the next volume, which is also sweet. Um, and uh, then uh, Ren like consults a strategy that he wrote for himself so that he would follow a plan because all the best dates in the world, you follow a very strict plan so that you have control over everything so that everything works out exactly the way you intended it. Um, and uh, so basically like his plan is to take her around to places that he thinks she'll like and take charge of the date like a real man, which um, <laughs> listen guys, uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of dating experience, but I know he's doing it wrong. <laughs> so then uh, Rue was like hungry after they've been shopping for a little while. So they're like, all right, let's go and eat. And Ren's like, all right, we'll go to the food court and get something. But then he spots his older sister is hanging out of the food court. And she's like, clearly hang out with friends. Oh, she's high. Just like slumped back in her seat. <laughs> she's, she's high or drunk or something. Cause she's fucking staring up at the ceiling. <laughs> She's like, this is a good pocky stick, man. <laughs> She's like, oh, man, this fucking, this pot LSD, this THC pocky is fucking, it's fucking me up, man. You think she's like talking to her friends like, hey, guys, you know how there's like those dots on the ceiling tiles? Do you think all ceiling tiles have like the same number of dots, but like in different places so that you don't know? Hey, guys, guys, you're like rubbed your hand against your eyes and you see those shapes. What if that shapes are like from a new world, like a, like an alternate reality? We can only see when we do that, man. Think about it. Think about it. And so Ren's like, I better not get Ruru anywhere near her, her, dis her weird high thoughts. <laughs> so they want to eat. But he doesn't want them in the food court because he doesn't want Rin getting in his way. So they end up going into, oh no, a fancy restaurant. So fortunately, Ren does have some food coupons, but there's only so much good that can do. They eat up and then leave. And Ren's like, damn it, my budget is in shambles because of Rin. All right, next, we're going to go to the arcade. Let's play an arcade game. I'm going to show Rue how great I am by winning a prize for her. Oh, you poor boy. <laughs> um, 
And Rue's like, I mean, I'm bad at crank games. He's like, no, no, leave it to me. I'll get you anything you want. And that's when they come across Naputaku and Nagamanuaku, who somehow wound up inside of the crane game. And Naputaku is stuck in the tube. <sighs> the best part is how he got stuck upside down in the tube. <laughs> like He went first through the tube. <laughs> Or maybe he managed to get in, but he can't get out. I don't know. I'm assuming it's supposed to be that. But yeah, we see that they get in and it almost looks like uh, Magu gets stuck in there because like he's he's hanging out of the tube. But I guess he gets out. And then, yeah, I don't know. Like my part of me is like, did the coon try to like kick him out and then get like too high up? He's like, ah, shit. So they established like, oh, yeah, Naputaku's minions ran in there. And when I chased after them, I got stuck in the entrance. And Ren's just like, you guys are idiots. He's able to yank out Naputaku by his head antenna. And then he's like, all right, you get out of, the, out of here too, Magu. And Magu's like, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> and also, he's got his Nato now, so we don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he just like slumps over. And so Ren has to play the crane game in order to get Magu out. And eventually he does so. And all he did manage to actually win Ruru a prize too. So that's nice. It's some sort of like mole or platypus i'm not sure exactly what it is like I guess a it's gopher a or something yeah mole i forget what there's between a mole made... and a gopher is uh gophers uh tunnel and so yeah <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I think we just stumbled on the conspiracy. I think they're the same thing. <laughs> Gophers have like the buck teeth, um, and I think moles have the longer snouts. Okay, all right, there we go. It's a mole. I don't know. It's flushy. <laughs> no, no, this is going to be the. This is like the key thing to everything. It all comes to here. Dumbest thing I've ever said, or the smartest <laughs> thing I've ever said. <laughs> What's the difference between gophers and moles? Gophers settle, and so do moles. <laughs> no one can say we're wrong, though. No, <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> so, they get Magu out of the crane game. Also, Ru's got a prize now, so good job, Ren. Uh, and then, basically, Ren... Ren and out of money in doing that. He, he's blown every last bit of cash that he had because he, he they went to the expensive restaurant and they and they had to go through the crane game. And so he's like, all right, well, that's fine. We're down to my the final stage of my dating plan. And this one doesn't require any money. And so he's like, hey, Ruru, you ever go out onto Maranoia Terrace? There's this great view of the ocean. The sunset's supposed to be beautiful. We should go see it together. It's raining outside. Aww. Didn't work out. So they're like, I guess we'll just head home. Uh, but then they are waiting and uh, they kind of realize that, oh, we can't take the bus because we spent all of our money. So we can't do that. Uh, and so they're just kind of like left waiting in the rain because Ruru doesn't want the manga to get ruined. Good girl. Uh, by the rain. And Ren just kind of goes over my mind like, the entire reason that all this happened basically was because he was, you know, trying to control everything and it all backfired because of the way that the chaos gods got involved 
and you know all of his plans on where to go you know, he didn't spend the money pro- properly and stuff like that and now he's you know made things bad for ruru because she spent money on manga that she wasn't planning to spend initially and so she can't go home so things haven't gone well uh magu thinks about blowing away the rain clouds again with his eye beams and stuff but uh so but Ruru's reminds him like i mean you're just gonna waste away again if you do that so he doesn't do that but <laughs> naputaku is like now is my time to shine. And he puts on a torn up plastic bag and a frying pan that came from somewhere and is like, I'll go look for an umbrella. And so he's going to go dumpster diving, basically, in order to find them an umbrella. Uh, Ren apologizes to Ruru because, you know, it's like it's all he feels like it's all his fault that they're stuck here and, and stuff. But Ruru's like, oh, no, it's not your fault. And, you know, I wanted to thank you because, you know, I'm enjoying, you know, us waiting for the rain to stop. It can be a little lonely sometimes. It's not really that bad when you're with someone else. And so Ren's still not feeling great. But Naputuka gets back. He's got an umbrella. You can't deny that he does. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> there's a reason it was in the trash. I'll just tell you that much. Uh, so, you know, Ren just like that umbrella is so beaten up, it's completely useless. And so Magu is like, this is the only thing you are good for. Now behold what I can do. And he sticks the umbrella in his mouth and lets it expand. So it turns him into a working umbrella because Magu is a weird freaking creature. And he says, come under my protection. So hooray, (laughs) they've got an umbrella, Magu. And so Ruru picks up the umbrella thanks again for today a lot of fun we should all go out together again sometime ren and but ren like you know is like hey i'm a little taller so let me hold the umbrella but he's also holding it away so that he'll kind of be the only one getting wet and ruru be shielded from the rain yeah it's a very nice line of like her being like are you okay isn't half of you getting away he's like i'm okay this is just fine after like a very a very bad date for him and it ends with the two of them getting to walk very close to each other on the way home it's a very sweet little moment Nick, I really Sweet like this chapter. chapter. I really like this chapter. It's great. I, for the longest time, I've been like, I fucking hate Naputakun. I think, I just don't think he works in this series because we're just meant to laugh at him because he's just the fucking butt monkey. He just falls at the fuck. He's the, the wily coyote and some roadrunner needs to fuck with him every single week. But this week, I feel like I kind of got the character. He's a fucking toddler with superpowers. He's a fucking idiot. Like, the the fuck? He's so fucking happy. He's like, I have found an umbrella! And it's clearly all fucking ratty and full of holes. And I was like, and he's so fucking... He's got this big fucking grin. And everyone's like, what are you doing? He's like, but I found an umbrella. And I was the like, hero. yeah, I was like, and he's, he feels so confident and capable in the whole chapter, even though he doesn't. He's he just li- like, he literally says, he literally says after he's, after he's found this useless ass umbrella, there's nothing I can't do. <laughs> like he's climbed Everest or something. He's like, I found this trash umbrella. <laughs> and I don't know why I, just the fact that like, I feel like this is a chapter where I could actually like the Putakun that I was like. Oh, I fucking really dig this. Like, I was like, this chapter really worked for me in a lot of very strong ways. So I really appreciated that. I love the little bit of camaraderie that he and Ren have to Mm -hmm. let you know, like, they've actually gotten to, like, be friends in a kind of weird way and stuff. Um, And this is a, you know, despite the fact that Magu is in this chapter, 
he's not heavily involved in it. So no. I think that it's a good sign. Like, hey, we had this really solid chapter that didn't lean very heavily on Magu. And in fact, lean very heavily on one of the most mundane characters in the series, which is just a guy who has a crush on Ruru and is just kind of like having to deal with all these weirdos. So, yep, that was very, very good. All right. So let's move on to We Never Learn. No, Chris, we have before... we have Sakamoto Days. Oh, do we? I didn't open that chapter. Oh, well, uh, hang on. Let me see if I can remember what happened okay. there. It was better <laughs> than last week's. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Sakamoto's wife. Overheard that they had gotten into a fight and she thought that Sakamoto had killed some people. And so she kind of stormed off mad. And then the bus she was on got held up by a guy who was upset that his favorite manga series had been canceled. Mm. And so Sakamoto and Psychic Boy had to go and save the day. And we got a flashback that explained why Sakamoto and how Sakamoto and his wife get on. And uh, essentially, he had still been working as a hitman after they started dating. And she hated that. And so to make a point, she threw herself off a cliff knowing that Sakamoto would save her. And she said, think about how sad you would be if I died and now realize that every single person that you kill has someone who cares about that and how bad they feel. So don't kill ever again. And he promised that he wouldn't. And so they saved the bus from the hijackers. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, I, do I cover everything? Yeah, you pretty much got it. Uh, he wears an anime mask as well. Um, yes. yes he- so... I actually like this chapter quite a lot. Um, last week, I felt like, you know, I came away very negative and I said, you know, maybe I'm being too hard on this series. Um, there's a level of doing this podcast and, and doing it where come sometimes you like exaggerate your opinions for the sake of like creating entertainment and being very big. And I really appreciate that this chapter completely affirmed my views that this series sucks i wasn't wrong this series blows this chapter sucked too the stupid fucking anime mask bullshit this is a fucking garbage series oh they're gonna crash the bus into the situation building because it's like your favorite monster get canceled it's fucking stupid god what a fucking dumbass series this is chris you just pulled the wrestler heel promo. <laughs> Guys, I want to apologize for what I said. For not being even mean enough. I wasn't mean enough. Your stupid series sucks. I hate it. I hope all of you. I hope you have to crash a bus in dissuasion after this stupid series gets canceled. <laughs> and that's when I leave to the fucking uh, million dollar Rolo man. Rolo sucks. <laughs> Rolo sucks. Rolo sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I did like this chapter better than last week's. It did not make me feel great about the series in in general, but I did like the whole, I I did definitely appreciate like, oh, okay, this is why Sakamoto stuck with this woman is because she just goes balls to the wall. Like that. I love the conviction there. And there was a nice little like, okay, this is why things are the way they are between them and stuff. But eh, when you get down to it, it's like the whole point of the series is, you know, like, spies doing crazy things um and it just it's weird because like the action scenes are just kind of straight up 
Um, and we do get that in more serious uh, parts of like Yozakura family and spy family to make the obvious comparisons with the other spy series. Uh, but a lot of the point of, you know, like, well, they're a spy and stuff is that they do crazy over the top things that are to the point of f- being funny. And we did get some of that in the first chapter. And I feel like we got a lot less of that in this chapter. It feels like this entire chapter should have been just goofy nonsense because they were dealing with a situation that was not really all that serious in terms of their experience levels and stuff. Uh, and I mean, like the villains was like, oh, well, I mean, my, my favorite manga got canceled. Like they're a joke villain. So it's weird that they there was not more like jokes at their expense and just jokey action scenes in my mind. So, yeah, um, I, I like it. I just don't know. Like, I, I understand Jump doesn't put series into it necessarily saying and this will fill this spot in a nice hole. But it's a series that I can't in my mind. I'm like, what in the world does this series offer that anything else in the magazine doesn't already cover? And I can't think of anything we, like we already have like a heavy. I used to be a killer kind of like we already have like, oh, uh, like the, the spy hitman kind of world of Mission Yosakura family. We already have a bunch of like feel good comedy series. It's. The comedy stylings of it don't feel different enough from a lot of the other series currently in the magazine. It's just something there that, I don't know, it's a spot that's being held. I guess it could have been another Exorcist series instead, but, um, I don't know. <laughs> if, if those guys put on head fans, headbands and start <laughs> folding paper, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were making more comparisons to Ruroni Kenshin. Uh, don't do that. Guys, because uh, <laughs> that's not going to make me think, look on more favorably. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, the idea of somebody who w- was a killer who's turned against their evil ways has been in more things than Moroni Kenshin. Um, Just that, yes. So, uh, anyways, let's let's move on down yes. the train of uh, other bad stuff <laughs> to talk about this week. Hate train <laughs> keeps rolling, baby. Let's talk about we never learn. I tweeted. On Sunday, when the chapters dropped, it was a mistake to read We Never Learned Last. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> but it was the last one in the order. You know, no, so. I totally understand it. Totally understand. All right. Question 140, 184. A pizza bet equals the Queen of Thin Ice Part 7. So we'll kind of zoom through this chapter to a certain extent. Yuega and Kirisu are basically experiencing the festival together. They're playing the games. They're trying out the food. They're going to the cafes. They're giving themselves the real quintessential quintuplets. Oh, sorry, quintessential school experience. <laughs> it's just on my mind right now. Um, so, you know, she has this moment where she's like, I don't get it. You know, since becoming a teacher, I've actually seen plenty of school festivals and she has this vision of her if she were in high school with a high school age Uega, which is uh, it's gross. I hate it. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, but she's like, oh, this is a school festival. And they if they, only I were if only I were 15 years younger and you were 10 years younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they, you know, they they party so hard it's nighttime and they're going to hang around for the fireworks festival. And she's like, oh, wow, you know, it's really exhausting. I wonder where you wake a good went and everything like that. And 
she's like, oh, you know, I, it shouldn't matter. We don't have to be together the whole time. And then Yuig is like, oh, hey, I'm here. And she's like, oh, I didn't mean what I said just now, uh, which is, I guess she did. No, she doesn't. I don't know why she's, I guess maybe she was worried nope, that he would nope. hear her being exhausted. I don't know. Psychic, like Anya. Yeah. Or she, or she thinks she's Hamora. She thinks she's another bad character from, from manga. All of her friends are here. And this is a very sweet oh. little moment. This here, look, I will say this. This chapter has a very sweet moment uh, where Uega is Uega and he goes out of his way to get all of her old classmates to come to this festival so that she could truly experience a real festival with all of her friends. And it's a very sweet moment. It's it's very much in Uega's character to have gone out of his way and called like a half dozen people to be like, hey, do you want to come to this high school reunion to like help or this basically the school festival to help like your old classmate kind of like relive an experience she missed because of her, you know, anxiety and, and other issues when she was younger. And it's like, yeah, they come. It's very sweet. They uh, they open up their time capsule that they have there. It was established before this chapter. It definitely was. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Shut up. I didn't just think of this just right now. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, they, 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 they see that there's a notebook in there. Uh, a bunch of people wrote to Kirisu because they were like, you weren't here before. So we see a whole bunch of letters. There's somebody who actually confesses their love to her. Uh, then there's one person who's like, I bet you're going to grow up to be a real hottie. You're like, yeah, that guy's in in jail now. So, you know, he didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a letter from Uega's dad that says remember that time you came to me about your worries and i said you wouldn't know if you were making a mistake until it was all over well i'm sorry i was wrong if and when you read this and you're still worried about something on your own please first have a look around and we see Uega has also convinced the girl that she well presumably Uega convinced her to come uh the girl that um Kirisu had the issue with before that was kind of resolved back in that that figure skating arc, the piano player. She's there and she's playing music and uh, fucking other sisters there and nieces there. Everybody's there. All the Kirisu adjacent characters are here. And the little narration continues. You're surrounded by friends, friends who will worry with you, make mistakes with you and sharing your journey. Don't be afraid to love people. Be true to yourself about your feelings. And then it ends, and we go to a flashback as uh, 11-year-old Uwega is like, Hey, what's wrong? You're crying. Are you hurt? And teenager Kirisu's like, No, how can I explain? I was just feeling like I'll always be alone my whole life, and I'll always be struggling. And Uwega... <laughs> Little Uega is like, don't you worry. I'll always be there there for you. My dad always says to grow up to be a man who understands people's struggles. So I'll be there for you always and forever. And you could have attempted to try to pass that off as like a child being cute. But then Kirisu blushes and it's portrayed like it's kind of romantic as they stare off into the fireworks together. And she's like, you're a little young to be proposing. But all right. One day when you grow up. Gonna <laughs> get it all out. Uh, and she, you know, she sees Uega go hug his dad. So she's like, oh, that guy is, you know, Sensei's son. 
And, oh, wow, who would have thought he would wind up to be my student and I was to be appointed as his tutor and we'd clash time and time and time and time and time again. He's helped me out. And so, and she just, you know, she's like, thank you. You knew all along what was in the time capsule. And he goes like, no, I didn't know. But I know my dad wouldn't have let them bury the time capsule and it didn't include you. Again, a very little sweet moment that shows their family's kind of dedication to this stuff. And then Kirst says, I wonder when it started. And a fire launches into the sky, and the two of them, like, wrap pinkies around each other. And she's like, I don't know when it started. When did I fall in love with you, you way guys? A firework explodes into the Apparently, sky. Apparently! 15 <laughs> years ago! <laughs> Apparently when he was 11. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, two things. Two, two, okay. two, two things. Two, two things. Okay, two, two things. Two things. Uh, one... This gets a zero out of ten on the Kirisu sexiness meter. Yeah. She never puts on a sexy outfit once. So it's a very, very sensible clothing the whole time. What the fuck am I reading this series for at this point? Two, two, two. So remember how we've been, you know, talking about the whole time that oh, well, you know, the Uruka arc is was canon, you know, and they did the whole thing with like, you know, Uruka went and consulted with his dead dad, and and he convinced him that, like you've been in love with with Uruka the entire time but turns out turns out turns out that what you guess that was actually saying was yeah that student of mine who's older than you hook up with her <laughs> so I've been wrong this entire time clearly Kirisu arc is the canon route and we never learn and that is the bottom line so I guess that it's a good thing it was safe for last because clearly it's the best one <laughs> clearly <laughs> look uh, if this is going on lately, where people have said, like, you know, name a thing that happened this year, but feels like it happened ages ago because, you know, like pandemic and, you know, this year will never end. Remember when we never would like <laughs> that was this year. <laughs> like we, we had this year. You was... Look, we knew this was going to happen when they announced that there were going to be routes and we kind of saw the the pacing of them look like it was going to end on Kirisu. We knew that eventually we were going to have to get some kind of story where Kirisu and Yuega actually fall in love as opposed to being something that they just kind of tease throughout the story. And we've said, like, uh, it's the one I'm dreading. I, I'm not looking forward to it. But there were, like, a couple things which are like, all right, maybe... They'll do something crazy with it, like Uega time travels or something. Maybe they'll do something to try to, like, remove the problematic elements. Uh, this chapter, if you took out the, like, connected romantic parts of it, I would say would be a great final chapter for Kirisu. Like, you know how most um, harem manga, when they're reaching their end have to do that send-off to certain characters, and they reach that point where mm. they're like, okay, I need to address that you are not the final girl, but we need to give, like, still wrap up your story. You are not the final <laughs> Yeah, they have, a, they have a guy come out with an envelope and announce it, like, you are not. <laughs> like, you know, when they had to do that thing, if this was a way to send off Kirisu's character, it's great. I, I like the idea that defrosting the Ice Queen in... Every piece of media feels like it always seems to be she has to find love. And I like the idea that defrosting the Ice Queen here is not about her romantically getting involved. It's the idea that she had all this anxiety that this pressure put on her parents kept her from being able to get close to people. 
And all this effort is being put in, not to just show her she has friends now, but those friends she had back then actually cared about her. And it, it opens her up to the world. And I think that would be a great way to send off the Kirisu character. But then the chapter has to connect it to the idea that she romantically loves Uega and has always kind of loved him since she was 16 and met him at 11 years old once. And you're like, it's just not like, look, we were always going to have an issue with this. It's not like uh, a mind blowing thing. So I don't really need to go over that over and over again. It's just one of those things like this could have been kind of a cool chapter if we never learned had just been like a normal harem that you know, has the balls to end it on one fucking character as opposed to being like, all of them could be the same, you know? You could have just made the right choice and then cut in and then ended it there. I mean, admittedly, we would have been deprived of two story arcs that were at the very least pretty good and one yeah. that was at least enjoyably bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, the problem with this is not for me just the matter of like, oh, when she was a teenager and you would go as a preteen apparently it was all destined since then which is just so fucking weird but it's also the fact that the way you has been portrayed in the last few chapters makes him seem like a hallmark movie boyfriend yeah, yeah. he is so perfect that it defies an ability to relate to him it's just a case of when will the girl realize he's the perfect man for you just fall in love with him already that has been the plot of the last few chapters is him just being so caring and understanding and already in love so it's nice and convenient you don't have to worry about that it's boring it's a boring fucking story Yes. Why couldn't we have had the story of them falling in love with each other? I do not understand. It would have been not necessarily good as for reasons we have also explained, but it would have been better than fucking this. I do not think that it feels like we've already told the story of Kirisu needing to thaw a little bit, yes. you know? Like we, the, the it freaking introduces the you know the whole the piano girl again and like how she had this whole thing where she separated herself from people in order to do right by them and stuff like that. You didn't need to cover this ground again, and it's not a story about falling in love. It's a story about a woman letting herself fall in love, and it's stupid, and I hate it. Yeah, it really does feel like it has a strong departure from every one of the other routes where the two characters kind of have to address their feelings in some way where, like, it's almost kind of comedic in a way. Uega, like, abruptly kind of at one point sort of addresses the problematic relationship of them being, like, teacher and student and everything and then, like, dismisses it and then is like, I love you and I've always loved you. And then it's just, like, all been Kirisu's other end work. And then they introduce more elements that just make it more kind of weird. Like, I don't know why you would add that she was like, oh, hey, that's Uega sensei's son. And like, yes, but he's 11. <laughs> You're 16. What are you doing? I don't know, man. Look, we knew it was going to suck. We have to fade. This is that point of the day where you're like, look, I have to get the fucking shot. It's going to suck. I got the shot. It sucks. 
I guess we'll move on with our lives. But, you know, it's worth noting Chainsaw Man and We Never Learn are both going to be apparently ending in the exact same issue. So unless some weird fucking extra thing comes about, who knows? Let's talk Dr. Stone. Time to get stone, Nick. Okay, okay, I'm done. Done with that conversation. Done with that conversation. Just gonna. There are I... motorcycles. Room for him. All right. Room for him. I don't think there's. in seventy six. I there's a panel where Doctor Chelsea falls off the bike. I bet you just had to zoom in really close to find it. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm sorry. Beautiful. It's part of that filled me with just it, so much joy. Just blew all the black anger out of my heart for a moment, even if it was a lie. <laughs> Z-176 net breaking battle plan. Uh, so we get um, just a very odd little thing that just comments at the beginning that Tsuku Ishigami and Dr. Zeno and Stanley Snyder, these three have yet to be in the same place at the same time. And now they've narrowly avoided a proper encounter by a few tenths of a second. Okay. So, <laughs> and I'm sure the chat after will be 100% about each of them doing something in tandem with each other and not all kind of doing things separately from each other at the same time, simultaneously. Anyway, they're on bikes! Hooray! Vroom, vroom. Uh, I do like the detail that, like, all the people who are actually driving the bikes are people from, you know, modern age instead of the Stone Age. So. Anyway, vroom, vroom. Uh... <laughs> Everyone gets their machine guns out to shoot at the machine guns. And Zeno uh, kind of like casually suggests, like, don't you think you should be using your hostage as a shield? Which is very impressive given that he's, you know, got like what looks like a plant of some sort gagged into his mouth. So I don't know. Uh, so Hyoga, of course, is the one who's just like, yeah, of course we're going to do that. And everyone's, of course, like, oh, right, of course, Hyoga's the one who would take that sort of action. <clears throat> but as Hyoga just you know, kind of, like, grabs Zeno and puts him so that they can use him as a human shield, and as we see, they get all the bikes lined up um, so that they're in single-file line with Zeno's body in the back to shield them all. Uh, Hyoga's thinking to himself, like, why would he just like let himself be put in danger like this though? He's a man of common sense. It's like he wants to be on the caboose of the caravan. Uh, everyone gets uh, lined up. They also like skid the bikes around a little bit to kick up some dust so that uh, people don't get a clear shot. Uh, but Stanley is, um, Stanley's basically an avatar in an FPS. Like he just, he'll just do all the ridiculous sh- jumping around between platforms and stuff. So he jumps off of the thing. I don't even remember what the hell they were driving around on because they're not on the motorcycles. And he's firing bullets from his revolver and he manages to get a hit on the shoulders of Sukasa and Hyoga. Hyoga uh, has got some armor on his back, at least. So that's nice. Uh, we don't get confirmation if Sukasa does. Uh, that's a pretty big blood spatter, so I don't know. But they're like, wow, that's, you know, pretty pretty ridiculous. And Kohaka realizes that, you know, he knew that if he had hit the bikes, that that could potentially kill Zeno. So instead, he went after our main fighters. And so he d- immediately deduced the 
motor. He manages to get those shots off, and then the motorcycles race off. So, not going to do much more than that. But he realizes something as you know, Zeno is tied to the back of the back of the rear motorcycle, and he swipes a pair of binoculars, and he's like, he's going to give some kind of signal. That's the kind of man he is. And sure enough, Zeno is blinking in Morse code, and so Stanley tells Charlotte. The Come on, let's just call her. Lady. Just call her Catsuit Girl. There's no need to give her a real name. Uh, he tells her, "All right, as he's as he's blinking and stuff." Then we get the other half of something that happens, which is, "Oh, they've got that plane on the aircraft carrier, right?" Uh, and Senku's like, "Yeah, I mean, if they get a plane flying over this desert, our chances of survival are are gonna hit zero, assuming that their plane can actually fly." And so it takes off and immediately goes. And uh, they're like, yeah, uh, after we crashed after the dogfight, we had to abandon the plane uh, and we were not going to just let them use a freaking plane against us. So we sabotaged it by mixing in some sugar water so that it would, you know, kill the engine. And we get this kind of crazy crash scene of, you know, like the plane hitting the ground next to the motorcycle caravan and going tumbling end over end uh the people in it i'm sure are are 100% fine they got a few scraped knees and then have have some, have some boo-boos they're fine though they're cool yeah senku smirks at, at stanley that's basically the end of the chapter <laughs> yeah pretty much uh so look uh this is actually a pretty good chapter in i guess the grand scheme of things if only because what they're trying to do with Stanley is working for me. Where Stanley feels like this, this like kind of nimble Terminator who is just going to relentlessly pursue them, and even though he has not managed to succeed, he keeps getting these small victories. He managed to catch both Huega uh, and Sukasa, so presumably they're not going to be as efficient if things come to a one-on-one fight. You know, he, he thinks, okay, you know, Zeno is going to do some kind of code. So, he you know, he finds things there and then still gives Senku and them the knowledge of like, yeah, these guys are also scientists. So they they would have known to sabotage the plane before this would have happened. Um, so I, I do think that effort is working. Um, I do feel intimidated when I see Stanley show up. And the, the, I guess the way the, the scene is set of this long stretch of desert and him just perched up on a rock with a sniper rifle, basically is a very cool visual or not a sniper rifle, but um, it's just a revolver. He gets those shots off with a handgun. That's you know? right. Yeah. Um, I just keep thinking he has a longer gun with him and even that's not a sniper rifle, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, I, I do like that. Um, so I'll say that I think this is a step forward for dr stone after a little bit where it was kind of meh for me also i don't think del dr chelsea says anything in this chapter that's a plus so that's best chapter of the week for me (laughs) Uh, i love the uh, silhouette that we get of stanley after he lands the shots on sukasa and yoga where like if you if you pay attention to the way things go down like he's got the cigarette in his mouth the entire time but it's not lit. And then after he, he shoots them, it is lit. And he's like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's very important that I look really cool right now in this moment where I need to be concentrating on what Dr. Zeno has to tell me. But boss, light my cigarette. Yeah. But like his gun 
is on fire for some reason. <laughs> he's, just, he's just made out to be so cool, and it 100% works. Yeah. So. All right, Nick, let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter 41, Mash Burn Dead and the Divine Visionaries. We open up with a great joke where everybody's like, eh, last time Mash overcame a tricky situation. He's like, uh, so I guess we're done here. And Bless Minister's like, what? you don't get to decide that. Uh, but then a bunch of sand forms around Mash's leg, and then a bunch of spikes come at him uh, and collide. And you're like, oh, no, what's happened? But Mash blocks it. He's like, all right, what's happening now? And somebody says, did you think everything was over? And we see a two-page spread of the other Divine Visionaries. And we kind of get to see all of them up close. And then we're introduced to them one by one. And Nick, it pains me to say this. Not a single one of these characters' names is ridiculously goofy in the way that I was hoping for. The closest would be Sophenia Biblia. But nothing here. These are normal-esque names. Oh, I don't know about that, Chris. Let's go through. Let's, okay. let's go through the. There's, 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 there's Renatus Revel, who is the immortal cane. I think the, that's the most normal one. Yeah, there's Surara Hailstorm, who is the ice cane. Surara Hailstone. Surara Hailstone. <laughs> Hailstone's good, but Surara's like kind. You know, I can I can be a normal name. That's All an right. actual name. I got yeah. you. I got you. I got you. There's Caldo Gehenna. You know, all right. Interesting. It, it's there. Agito Tyrone. It's kind of close, but again, Agito Tyrone. I. <laughs> it is great because you'd expect something. <laughs> it's a very big disconnect in the languages of the two names. But again, Agito is a normal name, so. That's true. And Tyrone is a normal. Name. Yeah, not not normally for a last name, I guess, but. They're just two very different normal names. Yeah. Is the thing. Uh, Sophenia uh, Biblia. Uh, Sophenia Biblia, who of course is from the Forbidden Magical Text Administration, so she she knew from birth what she has going to yeah, be going for. Him. She knew this shit from the beginning. She was destined, and then the leader of it, Order Metal, or this Mal. is the best one. It's a- is the best one of, of, of the group. Because he's Ortormadl. <laughs> it's like, I can't call him Schmary Blotter, but I still want to kind of feel like his name has Potter in it. Uh, yeah, he's, he does. It's weird because, like, he's so clearly not Harry, mm-hmm. but he also so totally is. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> Uh, he and he is the desert cane, so presumably that's who summoned all that uh, sand. So there you go. We got some some interesting stuff here. Uh, they all have like a big kind of like introduction to these things, but obviously the biggest one would be order, who says you know the the regulations exist to rein in those with different areas. If we allow exceptions, the system fails. Furthermore, bowing to our emotions as peers of the realm sets a bad example. We'll be admitting there are special exceptions. He not only hid his lack of magical ability, he enrolled in Eastern Academy. Death is more than fitting. And Mash just like, ah, And he's like, hey, if it makes you feel better, we consider the decision unanimous. All of us agree you should die. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> but Bless Minister says, that is unacceptable. 
and they start moving forward and they have shadows in their eyes. They almost seem like they're flickering like in and out like they're digital now or something. And suddenly we see that Blessed Minister has been possessed by Innocent Zero. And they say, we are Innocent Zero. That boy belongs to us hands off. Everyone's like, ah, shit. He does have unusual origins after all. I'm actually like, I don't belong to anybody but myself. You think any, and I do like, so like, do you think anyone cares right now? <laughs> and it says, as proof of this, we have placed a magic parasite to the minister. And they're like, oh no, a magic parasite. It's this dangerous creature that feeds off mana while using its host as a chrysalis during the larval stage. Upon removal, it attaches itself to whoever removed it. And it's like, yes, consider this statement of intent to you all. This world is ours. And Rio's like, all right, you're going to declare war against the Bureau? Fine. I'll remove the parasite. And everyone's like, no, the more powerful the magic user, the greater the danger. And if it, it gets you, you'll immediately become chrysalists, you know, so you, you got to do it. And he's like, but who else would do it? I'll, and Mash has just gone over, just rips it out. And he's just like, huh? <laughs> he just, he's like, what are we <laughs> guys, what are we talking about? <laughs> this guy's got a bug on his shirt. And immediately, you, <laughs> hey, let me get that for you. <laughs> he just sees this, 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 this silhouetted image of this thing dashing into Mash's mouth. And Mash's like, oh, uh, and he coughs it out and it's a balloon animal. <laughs> That's some dude we don't know is like Nary Sean shows up and he's like he turned it into a balloon animal. That might actually be the best name out of, out of everyone we meet in this chapter. Yeah. Nary Sean. Nary Sean. Shawnee boy, we can call him. And uh, Ash is like, yep, I tied it with my tongue. Everyone's like, what the fuck? And they're like, wow, that that was great. You you did it. Uh, you're a treasure. But then orders like. Not yet. We still have to deal with you. Rules are rules, and those without magic don't get a say. That's just how our world operates. Your death sentence will be upheld. We're taking you. And Mash is like, I won't go. <laughs> and fucking Mash <laughs> stomps his feet into the ground. <laughs> so he's stuck to the ground. He's like, I won't go. Can't take me away if my feet won't move. Checkmate, atheists. <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> it would not work for me at all if he doesn't literally say, you can't get, take me away now, can you? <laughs> he thinks that he's got it he's, solved. He's like, I got you. What can you do now, idiot? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good chapter. Um, I do love, you know, the little small moments. And, uh, you know, this group we've been introduced to kind of does... If you're somebody who really likes exploring new worlds in Shonen series, this chapter gives you a lot to kind of think about because we sort of like what Burn the Witch introduced all of those new captains or whatever they are, division leaders. You're like, what do all these do? You can do the same thing here. You're like, what's the magical cemetery administration? What's the the power administration? Forbidden magical text division? Like, there's a bunch of cool stuff there to kind of like think about. So, you know, and also that seems like there's a theme of the canes. Because I believe Rio was the light cane. And we see all these different characters with their own titles this week. So, you know, we get some cool stuff there. Yeah, and also a very important development, which is we're introduced to Mashal's version of uh, Rebecca from Black Clover. The character is not an important character. Um, because we're here. Nere Sean is so unimportant that he gets an intro box twice. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
because you wouldn't know who he is. Shawnee boy. <laughs> Although he's got a nickname already, so clearly yeah. he's more important than Rebecca, I guess. <laughs> Three times, actually, apparently. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Ayakashi Triangle. Let's Jack do it. 23. Suzuki. Was that? No, let's do it. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Suzukanade, the king of Ayakashi. So continuing the whole Nick eating his words thing that I mentioned at the start of the show, but I was like, hey, you know, Ayakashi Triangle's actually proven itself. It's been a great story arc. There's cool stuff happening with it. Well, that kind of statement was um, just begging for there to be lots and lots and lots of fan service in this chapter. And there is a lot of it. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, and unfortunately, some of it is plot relevant to the chapter. <laughs> yep. Anyway, yep. there's some fan service. And uh, then uh, we see that we do see that, yes, of course, you know, Matsuri is back in uh, his female body. Uh, he's hanging out in his underwear just because with his grandfather, just because. And his grandfather offhandedly mentions because Matsuri mentions, oh, yeah, you know, Susie went to go and wash uh, uh, Shirogane. Um, his grandfather's like, if you don't turn back into a boy soon, she might wash you, too. And Matsuri's like, even if we are both girls, that's never going to happen. So, yeah, you know, respect your privacy. I, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. everyone can have boundaries. Um, yeah. Got to do that. Yeah. Only do things with the uh, friends that you're comfortable with. And uh don't try to force them to do stuff they're uncomfortable with. Okay. Anyway. Uh, Suzu is basically going to be, like, declared at least temporarily the king of Ayakashi. We do kind of catch up with uh, a little bit with Yayo and Lu, uh, Suzu's two friends, uh, because um, they don't remember Sosuke at all, even though he was at this at the school previously. And Matsuri's grandfather establishes it's difficult for people who don't believe in Ayakashi to remember one that has disappeared. That's how vague of an existence Ayakashi have in this modern world. And even Lou, who is, you know, obsessed with the occult, she doesn't actually believe in them, really. So even she doesn't actually remember them. So this kind of like catching up on like, this is the way that, you know, there's this separation in the world, which presumably is going to be explored further. So Matsuri asks her, his grandfather, do you think Suzu can take over as the King of Ayakashi? And we don't get an answer for it. Uh, we see Suzu being kind of crowned, I guess the King, but it's just like, she goes to this like shrine and like a bunch of Ayakashi are gathered there, mostly weak ones. Garaku is there as well, and he is immediately taken a Shirogane prisoner because he loves that cat. Uh, and uh, so they're there to celebrate the new king. Hooray. And everyone's like, yeah, you know, there's all these weak Ayakashi here uh, to resolve things when there's a conflict. That's what the king's for. And if the legendary Ayakashi medium is willing to step up, everyone welcomes her. But one person goes... I do not. And it's a little. So I'm sure that this is like a real spirit in Japanese mythology or something like that. I have no idea what to call it, though. But is a little panda looking guy with who whose body is either in or is 
a honey pot mm-hmm. complete with mm-hmm. lid. And I guess instead of a panda, he would be a tanuki, I guess, because he's got like the raccoon kind of tail. I don't know. His name is Tanumaro. And Suzu recognizes him because he was one of the cute little Aikashi that would hang around her when she was a little girl. Uh, and and so Tanamaru is like, you know, I looked up to Shiragane. He's so strong and cool. He saved me when I was being attacked by the by Nikon in the mountains. And, you know, she might be an Aikashi medium, but Suzu's a weak human. She can't resolve Aikashi problems. And so immediately, like, a bunch of the others like, how is she supposed to solve all these problems? She's not as strong as Shirogane was. How is she, how's she supposed to protect us and all this stuff? And so Matsuri steps up and is like, I'm going to support her. You know, uh, this is an exorcist ninja's duty. Uh, it can be carried out by protecting the peace of the Ayakashi. But Tanamaru is like, oh, Matsuri, you're the one who told me that Ayakashi and humans can't coexist. And Tanamaru casts a jutsu and... <laughs> It's plot relevant, so <laughs> I guess so. Um, remember how Matsuri's grandfather was like, if you don't turn into a boy again, she'll try and wash you. Well, apparently Matsuri's thinking about that because that's the illusion that he's put under. And he immediately realizes, oh, wait, this is an illusion created by Tanumaro. And so he tries to stop Suzu from bathing him and but Susie's like no and Matsuri's like this is an attack on my mental state no and from the outside it looks like there's just a smoke cloud surrounding Matsuri while he goes ah so <laughs> that's kind of it um so it's called the steamy visions jutsu you fucking get it you get it you fucking yeah. get it you get it you get it yeah um, but Garaku, uh, uh, and Shirogane together explain that like, yeah, you know, it shows visions to the people captured inside of it. And that also acts as a barrier that closes them off from the, from the outside world. Only the masters of deceit, the tea kettle clan can use it. I don't care if they call it a tea kettle. That is a honeypot. Anyway. So, um, Basically, Tanamaru is holding a grudge against Matsuri because he's the one who broke up their little friendship when they were kids. Uh, this is revenge. And uh, Suzu rushes over to Matsuri to try and help him. But Ta- Ta- Tanu is like, it's no use. Only Ayakashi can interfere with the barrier. You know, we live in different worlds. So I'll release him if you promise to leave us alone. But Suzu says, hey, Matsuri is stronger. Then, you know, you know, he could blow away the steam probably with his wind jutsu, but he's enduring it right now because he knows that doing that wouldn't repair his friendship with you. And we get the answer from Matsuri's grandfather that we cut away from before we could see earlier, which is just that might be up to you who will be by her side. And so Matsuri is kind of just taking on this jutsu instead of blowing it away in order to atone for the thing that he did, the wrong that he committed as a kid, chasing away the Ayakashi who were trying to get along with, with Matsuri. And so Tanamaru realizes this and realizes, hey, you know, if, if he's apologizing, we could maybe get along now. But then he realizes, oh no, I'm still chaining with the jutsu. I don't know how to undo it. And so they're like, oh, so as long as Matsuri doesn't break out of it, then he's just going to be stuck in there. And it's not just a matter of, oh, well, so Matsuri's going to just have, you know, girl on girl imaginations for a while. 
Tanamaru is going to use up all his Ayakashi power and die. Whoops! So... Suzu... Fucking thing. Uh, uses an Ayakashi ability, Omokage, a cloning technique. Uh, and she creates a clone of herself that is made from pure Ayakashi magic and thus is able to penetrate the barrier, which a human cannot do. And so she reaches inside it and she touches Matsuri's shoulder and through that is able to communicate to Matsuri, your apologies gotten through. So Matsuri then uses his Winjutsu, b- blasts away the steam covering him and so breaks breaks from it. And everyone's like, oh, wow. Suzu has this these Ayakashi abilities, this Ayakashi, uh, uh, you know, body. And so everyone just kind of re-acknowledging, like, oh, both of these people are... Uh, and uh, then they're like, okay, now we can make amends. Tenopopo uh, apologizes, and like, all right, I, I recognize your courage. I guess we were both deceived in the past. And they they shake hands, and Tanamaru's little paw gets you know, shook by, by Matsuri. And um, then we end on a little joke, because Suzu's like, by the way, what kind of images did you see in the illusion? And Matsuri's like, I can't say. That's it's it. a chapter. chapter. It's a very sexual chapter. Yeah. It is a chapter of Ayakashi Triangle. It is not a bad chapter of Ayakashi Triangle, but it is a chapter of Ayakashi Triangle. <laughs> it's kind of it. It was all right. It. This kind of thing is that, like, Yes, there's dumb fan service in this. But at the same time, I can't just say it's like, oh, yeah, avoid at all costs. It's just kind of gross, stupid, you know, fan service. He was like, no, there's like some nice character interaction in it. Yep. All right, Nick, yeah. let's we only have so much time left. So let's move into Black Clover, page 273, Day of Destiny. We open up in the Spade Kingdom as Zeno says, oh, I assume my brother's going to be all right. We see a bunch of computer screens, which is kind of new for Black Clover. But hey, I guess there's uh, technology now. Uh, he asks Morris, who I guess it's is his doctor. technology magic, Chris. <laughs> yep, technology magic. Somebody has it. Basically, Morris is like, yep, we're going to improve this person. I was over in the sorcery studies in Diamond Kingdom, but that stupid idiot Mars got me run out of the kingdom. So I ended up going somewhere more interesting. So, you know, he's, I guess, uh, he's over here now and he's repairing Dante, who says, I can't wait to fight that boy again. Uh, And he just says, and none of the other preparations have been neglected. And they say, nope, it's all going really perfectly. And uh, I don't know who this person is supposed to be. Uh, a spy of Lotus. some kind. Who? Lotus. Who the no? fuck? Who the fuck's Lotus? Lotus? Who the fuck's Lotus? I remember Lotus? <laughs> oh, fuck. I Clover. Lotus was Lotus. the guy who had the, the smoke caravan thing, remember? No, From, like, not at all. Area. I am looking at this character, and if we have met him before, I 100% do not remember this character. He uses the, he uses the smoke wagon thing. You keep saying the remember? smoke wagon, but I don't remember it. It showed up a long as time ago, Chris. <laughs> I do not remember this character at all, but apparently he existed in Black Clover at some point, Guys, so he's back there. me up on this. <laughs> Everyone's saying you're right, so I believe you. I just do not remember him. Uh, so he's there, and he's like, this is bad, and we see a what looks like a demon in one of the other tanks, so, uh-oh. 
and also like other stuff i don't i don't really know what that's supposed to be tendrils and bullshit um so we cut back over to the training section we don't see what happens we can see like a far away visual of asta's form and then he's already back to the form we've kind of seen before and a slash has taken place and uh nature boy Flair is standing there and the right side of his body where the strike was is no longer covered in liz his bloodborne outfit and he's like shit he intentionally avoided directly hitting me and then un- the union came off my arm even though it didn't touch it he erased all the magic which lacked any substance and the mana zone within it that was anti-magic so if he uses that at full power he will be the strongest nature boy uh, nick flair admits all right i lose so Ash's like, cool, let's get going. He's like, no, because you guys can't actually do it. You used it for a hot second. You're not going to be able to do it like that. So I'm going to leave uh, fucking Gizmoblio or whatever my fucking demon was behind, and they're going to train you. Um, he has a little speech, though, where he says, look, using the shadow magic, I have watched you and the other black bulls. You were born without magic. By accident, you were possessed by a devil and toyed with by unforgiving fate. But you were always right. I said that people who are right aren't necessarily rewarded. However, I would like them to be. So he has a little bit moment of kind of being like, look, I've been an asshole. I guess that was a bit. I'm not really sure. Anyways, I've got to get going. You're going to train here. I'm going yep. le- to leave. I'm going to leave Rick Gimado Martel here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Yep, and uh, Rick the Model Martell is going to be like, oh no, if he hits me with that attack, I'm dead! And then we end the chapter with the big two-page spread, all the captains who are going to be going, and some of the vice captains uh, in their new outfits. For some reason, Seke is there. I don't know why. I don't... I don't know either. <laughs> I, I, I like looked at the panel and I was like, who's that guy in the back? It looks like Seke. That can't be him. And I was like, what the fuck? It is Seke. And I was like, what was Seke's magic again? Like, did he have, like, a cool magic? And I was like, I don't... He has, he has a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, <laughs> I guess before it. we finish this chapter, which I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on, it was all right. Um, can you do me a favor? Look at the uniforms that everyone's wearing uh-huh. and uh, look at how narrow the necks are and how tight they are to their heads. Now, look to the person to you know's right... Oh, the no head person? And feel like they have no head. Like, <laughs> there is no other. Like, it is not a matter of their collar is just that far out. Because you can see where the collar comes out to on everyone else's face. That person is invisible. <laughs> or it's just a suit of clothing that's hanging up there. Like, they all pose next to, like, the, the mannequins that had it, basically. Scarecrow. <laughs> Right. Anyway, that was chapter of Black Clover. It was it was okay, I guess. It's you... fine. <laughs> One Piece, chapter nine hundred ninety-seven. Flames. Sanji, you fucking idiot. So, Sanji heard stuff happening in the last chapter, and he was the only one who heard it. And that's because he heard a woman in distress. And he sees silhouettes through through the door, and it's like, oh, it's the famous sexual harassment technique of the land of samurai. The powerful man tugs on the sash of the helpless woman, and with each spin, she's not just losing part of the cloth that covers her body, she's losing herself. 
So Sanji goes crashing through the window and he's like, get away from her. And it was a trap the whole time. And they laid a spider web out and he's caught in it. And it, the, 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 the girl in the kimono uh, was just working with the guy who pulling on her sash and they're beating up Sanji while he's in cobwebs. People really hate Sanji for this moment, and I don't understand it. He was trying to stop a woman he thought was being sexually assaulted. I don't... Like, I know it's Sanji having the narrative of being pervy, but, like, he doesn't at any point be like, I wish I was the one that wanted to sex... Like, he's just like, oh, no, yeah. a woman's being attacked. I'll stop it. Like, it's, it's supposed I to be... Hate San- I don't hate Sanji for this moment, but I do hate what an idiot he is. Yeah. In the same sense of he had such a big nosebleed that he needed a blood transfusion. Yes. It's like, Sanji, you fucking idiot. Yeah. So. It w- it's worth knowing it intentionally was supposed to be a trap to catch somebody. So it's it's a little easier to be like, okay, he got tricked. Uh, but yeah, I, I heard a lot of people furious at Sanji. I was like, I, I mean, this is one of the few times I thought... It doesn't seem like he had an ulterior motive necessarily that was sinister or anything like that. They accuse him of having one, but who yeah. knows, you know. Uh, also, the whole thing was orchestrated by Black Maria, who is now, you know, standing over yes. him while he's, like, basically hogtied in front of her. So, elsewhere on the third floor, where did Sanji go? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, um, we meet more unfortunate smile fruit people. Uh, the snake guy, the rattlesnake guy is like, ah, I could, de- I could deal with that. Like the snake has become his legs basically. And it also coils over his shoulders. I'll deal with that. That poor woman. Mazurka. <laughs> how does she move? I don't understand. Like she has to have such fucking powerful legs. Cause she has to carry an entire upper torso of a gorilla along with her regular torso everywhere. And you would think, like, oh, the gorilla will, like, hunch over. But even if it does that, she'll be, like, going, yeah. you know, it's not going to be comfortable. Ugh. So, anyway, bad stuff. Uh, they are, you know, like, wanting to get them bounties because, yeah. Uh, then we cut to the performance floor again. Big Mom time is just like, I got other things to do. Don't ever, Don't anyone worry about me. And she just flies up through the hole in the ceiling and there she goes. (laughs) But then something falls from the ceiling and it plummets to the ground and hits with a thud. And Zoro is watching it fall the entire time. Then we see, you know, people, you know, reacting to the frozen, uh, the, the, you know, the blue demon, the blue the frozen Oni. Is that it? Anyway, Ice Oni, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Ice the Oni. virus that Apu has the has the has the cure for. Uh, and. <laughs> while Queen is mocking Apu, saying you better run. Um, X Drake manages to halt him briefly. And the Zoro's like. All right, enough of this shit. And just kind of Iaikido's him, just flat. One yeah. slash, she's the sword, and Apu is really fucked up, and he falls with blood flying everywhere. The anti, the uh, cure goes flying through the air, and Zoro catches it one handed. And it was like, holy shit, he just took Apu down. And then he hands off the cure to, to Chopper, and it's like, you can handle this, right? You'll live, right? 
And Trevor's like, yeah, I figured out how the virus works. And he gets everyone's attention and says, use fire on the ice, Oni. Who would have thought? Uh, Brooke is being helpful, holding up a torch next to uh, Chopper, and it's kind of thawing a bit uh, away at the uh, ice on his body. And he says, the virus is fused with a gas that chills the body. Look at me. Once you stop the chilling of your body, the virus won't reproduce. I'll make enough antibodies for everybody. I'm a doctor. I'll save anyone, friend or foe. So hang in there. Don't fall victim to a heartless creep like him. Well, that's nice. Queen Amelia goes, all right, well, fuck you guys. And just <laughs> takes his gun out. <laughs> um, but then immediately, Zoro just... I guess long distance slashes him and there's this very cartoonish reaction of him flinging his arms back as his, as his gun is chopped in half. And so I was like, this is stupid. I didn't come to this island to waste time and a bunch of nonsense. They say kind of the toughest guy in the world. I'm going to slice him into pieces. And he stomps the ground and it makes the, and it seemingly causes an earthquake. And it was like, holy shit, what just happened? And Brooke's like, do you have Supreme King hockey? What have you done? And Zoro's like, I didn't do this. <laughs> but uh, Robin's like, I know how you feel, Zoro. I saw it too. I saw what fell through the hole in the ceiling. That was Okiku's arm. I'm glad that they all got to know Kiku well enough that they can recognize her arm <laughs> from a distance that falls through the air. Anyway, I. Uh, Zoro's like, I mean, I wish I could just fly right up there, but neither route is going to be that simple because, of course, Queen and King still stand in everyone's path who's trying to get up to where Kaido is. Marco shows up and is like, you need my help with anything? I know, you know, I know that someone just said that, you know, fire will stop the spread of the virus, but do you need me for anything? I'm just over here with my wings that are on fire. Do you need me for anything? Anyone? I'm heading out. <laughs> okay. I do like, it's a very Oda move that he introduced, like, a, a, a magical ice disease and then a magical fire doctor shows up and that's not the person who solves the problem. Chopper solves it. <laughs> and he's just like, what, do you guys still need me or what's going on? He's just uh everyone is reacting to the seeming earthquake uh, wherever the straw hats are the entire island is shaking everyone's like what the hell is happening uh down on you know law's ship they're like we can't surface what is happening uh and eventually we are to the port area outside the dome as uh, Yamato is rushing off with Momonosuke and Shinobu trying to get Momonosuke to safety, saying like, hey, your life is the top priority. We got to get you on a ship and get you away from the island. But they get to the port and there's no Animal Kingdom ships there because there's no sea there. And Yamato knows what's up because, um, you know, his dad is the one responsible for this. And so they're like, what's happening? What, 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 what's going on? And Yamato says, dragons fly through the air by creating something called flame clouds, meaning Kaido sent Onigashima itself aloft. He's going to move the entire island to the flower capital. And we cut up to Kaido, who has pretty much beaten the, 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 the scabbards at this point. And he says, Kazuki is finished. Wano, or more accurately, new Onigashima, will become a pirate stronghold. Let us begin the world of violence. It's a great line. I love that line. It's a really good chapter. A lot of stuff happens in there. 
I love that so- or, uh, Zoro fucking loses his shit when he sees Okiku's arm falls down. And he's like, all right, fuck this. This, this. I'm not playing around anymore. Just takes out fucking uh, Apu immediately. I love he has that little sm- uh, part with Chopper where he's like, hey, you you got this? Chopper's like, I already figured it out. And he has a moment where he's just like, I knew you would. You know, it's a very cute moment. Um, and I like how he just cuts fucking queen's gun as soon as he tries to pull it out he's like fuck you i'm not playing around <laughs> i'm done with this this is bullshit and i do think this is a very exciting ending it it it's certainly poised to be a very cinematic ending which i i think is is a very exciting prospect all right that is gonna do a freaky manga recap this week everybody uh let's name our favorite chapters and mvps and stuff chris uh, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to do uh, my favorite chapter this week was Maguchan God of Destruction. And my mm. character of the week was the Putakun. I think that was oh. a really strong character uh, chapter for the both of them or for the Putakun. And I thought it, it really helped me to enjoy those characters a lot more. Yeah. Uh, my favorite chapter of the week was also Maguchan. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to give my character of the week, my MVP, to Zoro for okay. just being a badass. That's <laughs> very fair. It is a very cool Zoro chapter. Uh, it is worth noting. So the audience picked Ayakashi Triangle and Chainsaw Man as their series of the week, which is interesting. Interesting choices. Uh, and then Zoro, they agree, is the character of the week. All right. Well, that is going to do it all. Thank you for joining us here on Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show live on twitch.tv slash RoloT Wednesdays. Uh, normally starting between 7.30, 7, 8 Eastern time in the evening. But you can also get updates on exactly when we're going to start the show by following us on Twitter at WMRA Podcast. And you can also follow your hosts at RoloT and at Nick F. Time. Uh, or you can also join the Weekly Manga Recap Discord server where there's also all sorts of stuff that goes on there. Uh, there is a weekly Among Us game that happens on Saturday mornings. Uh, you can just participate in chapter discussions, discussions related to the suggestion we're going through. And you can also use that to find the Google Doc, which keeps track of a whole bunch of stuff in relation to the show, including stuff that has been recommended to us to check out and uh, previous uh, favorite characters and series and all that stuff and uh, that kind of thing. We want to extend special thanks to people who, who support our show through Patreon. You allow us great bonus content for you guys to enjoy. Ninja X3I, who maintains said Google Doc. Uh, Steve Manartarist, you can check him out wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn. Uh, Infamous Plant for creating the framework for the visual stream of the show. Milo Jack Stillitz and Wesley Dale Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of, of Weekly Manga Recap. All right, that's going to do it. We'll catch you guys next time with things. Also, I guess we should probably note uh, we might have some break episodes coming up as shouldn't jump goes yes, on break that time of year during the holidays so we might have a couple weeks where we'll be off there'll be a, a retrospective at some point uh but we might also have some weeks off so you might see q a or other stuff so you know keep out of mind for that we'll we'll put out something every wednesday or record something every wednesday put something out each week regardless so you know keep an eye out for that um but that's gonna do it then i don't have anything funny to say so no. Make your own fucking jokes. What am I? I gotta do it all goddamn day for you? <laughs>